Steel Toes and Scoreboards Podcast. Word association, Dirty Curdy, first thing that comes to mind. He changed the league, am I wrong? God, I hate Tom Brady. He's talented, but yeah. You just won't call him the goat, will you? We should have called ourselves the Hashtag Tits Podcast. A thousand downloads a day, guaranteed. Dude, it is talking sports. I love it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> is he the best running back you've ever seen? If he's not, then who is? Who do you put at number one, bro? There will be a Detroit Pistons Bad Boys episode one day. And you love that two-year run, don't you? No, I do. You can get a hot bat anywhere. You build around your pitching, or at least I do if I'm in charge. Pitching and defense wins your World Series, hands down. I came out of the closet <laughs> as a Lakers fan. Whoa, bro. Scared me there for a second. Oh, uh, sure bet. Sure bet. <laughs> there will be an increase of boxing talk on this show. I love boxing. I'm down for that anytime. Our few non-sports episodes have been pretty well received. We do a good thing by running a two-fold podcast. Please put Pete Rose in the damn Hall of Fame. Charlie Hustle, the all-time hits leader. It's political bullshit. And if he ever sees the Hall of Fame, he'll be after he's no longer with us. I miss the NBA I grew up on in the 90s and the early 2000s. The game isn't the same, but these kids can play. We're starting to talk more hockey, and that's, you know, that's that's never a bad thing. Puck the world, puck it all. Puck the world, Kurt (laughs) says. I promise you, I can work a pro wrestling reference into every episode. Want to see me do it? Weird flex, but okay. I can't believe, uh, seriously, in all seriousness, I can't believe we've been doing this show a year now. I can't believe people still listen after a year, you know. You have the perfect face for radio. Oh, cut me deep, son. Cut me deep. He exploded a bird with a fastball. I seen it happen. Randy Johnson, the big unit. The, the big unit. So, uh, you know, I, I got a little soccer news no, for you. No, let me stop you right there. That's a no for me. We don't talk soccer on this show. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Let me ask you, though. Does Kobe win three in a row without Shaq on the Lakers? What do you think? Boy, that's, that's uh, it's pretty tough. All right, well, look at it this way. He's a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Without question. And he's still so young. Lots of knowledge left in that kid. I just want to hear you say it. That's why. All right, guys. Enjoy the next episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards coming to you now. Boards. Jared Atkins, along with the beautiful bearded bastard himself, <laughs> Dirty Curdy, Kurt <laughs> Kelly. Kurt, what's hey, up? What's up, man? It's hot, son. It is hot. I don't like it. I have never in my life seen you in a pair of basketball shorts and tennis shoes before. Sight to But yet, but yet, I don't have jeans and boots on. What do I have on? Huh, basketball we, shorts and tennis shoes. We must have uh, rehearsed that. Huh? Uh, fat boys don't like to sweat, son. No, I don't like to sweat. <laughs> Unfortunately, I sweat pretty easy. But anyway. But anyways. It's hot. It's hot. That's why you can hear the air conditioner it's, running in the background. But it's that time of year. It, it, it is that time of year. It totally is. So, um, so what's new with you? Anything? I mean, I haven't talked to you in like three days. Uh, no, 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 no. 
really do. Get a little overtime this week, huh? A little bit. Yeah. Yep. Must be nice. It's nice you guys can get overtime now that I left. You know, left two months ago. Man, I wish we had some help. I wish we had you back. Make somebody there. That makes me. That makes me feel good that you miss me. Well, yeah, I ain't got nobody throwing. You ain't got nobody talking no sports or no bullshit with. Can't can't do like. uh, Oh, I got one. Okay, right on. Grant Hill. Yeah. Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp. That's tough. I like me Grant Hill though too. I love Grant Hill. I said that too hastily. Dominique Wilkins. Wait. All right. I already had myself at Dominique Wilkins. Let's just. I should stop you. Yeah, I should stop me there. But I got it. I mean, you know. The human highlight. The human highlight reel. Man, Dominique the freak. But, you know what you sent me to Clyde Drexler? Was so badass. I mean, that was a badass well, highlight reel. Last summer, I sent Kurt a mixtape, an NBA mixtape on YouTube. It's just some badass hardcore 90s rap beats set to a bunch of video of Clyde, the gl- oh Clyde Drexler just. What an athlete, man. Just performing. Yeah. The glove. One of the top ten, in my opinion, shooting guards of all time. Right, right. I love Drexler. Yeah, me too. Played for the Trailblazers and the Rockets. The Rockets. Uh, you'd have to call him, what, a two-way playmaker? I think he'd be a two-way player. Yeah. He definitely, man, he, he didn't develop a shot later on in his career, too. He wasn't really that good a shooter right at first, you know. But, but anyways. But anyway. Yeah, so pretty cool highlight reel. So uh, I'm excited about tonight's episode. Yeah. We talked about this before. Tonight is part two of a three-part series we're doing this year on uh, government overreach. Yes. Uh, Kurt was unable to make the first episode we did back in March, which was uh, Ruby Ridge from 1992. Right. Right. Tonight we're doing Waco in 93. And sometime later this year, we'll do part three, which is Oklahoma City bombing, OKC 95, because they're all three kind of linked together. They're all connected. So uh, tonight's going to be kind of fun. It's different uh, from our Steel Toes side of our podcast here. But before we get into that, uh, I told you I have some pretty cool news. Yeah, yeah. So I got two things, kind of. All right. The the big thing, the big news. I'm gonna wait till the end of the episode to keep everybody in suspense. But okay. it's, it, it is it is uh, it is huge news for me and you. Okay. But the other so but the smaller news I'm gonna just put out here now. Uh, one year ago today. Yeah. June 25th of last year. Okay. One year ago today, we recorded our most downloaded episode to date. And 85, probably 85 World, World Series. Series. Yep. Right on, brother. Right on. A year ago, we did that. Yep. So uh, that is our most downloaded episode. That is still probably my favorite top one or two episodes. It was hot that day, too. Oh, it? he's in my basement. Yeah. It was hot as hell. Man, we were underground. It was like a 20-degree yeah, difference underground. Pretty, yeah, it felt pretty good. So uh, I had candles lit. It was real romantic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not the kind of guy, bro. I'm hitting this fucking vape. It'll be to Monday. Will be three weeks. I'm proud of so, uh, I mean, I made it about two or three days, and then I got bitchy, extremely bitchy and fidgety. So I didn't want to buy a can of dip. I didn't want to dip anymore. Definitely didn't want to buy another pack of smoke. So I got a vape. So I look at this as a small victory, baby steps. Yeah, there you go. So there's Good still tobacco. There's still tobacco and nicotine in here, but 
Whatever. If it works for you, brother. Adjust the fan. Don't turn it off. See if we can turn the fan down one or two. That's low. Try medium. Try low again. That seems to have made a little difference. Yeah. It's still blowing on you. And Are I'm you getting, hot? No, no. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of the feedback, so we're good. There we go. That way you won't sweat to death and I oh, won't die man. either. I love you. I love the heat weather. Yeah. So, uh, let's get into it. Yeah. You want to? If. So, I don't... So, we did Ruby Ridge, or I did Ruby Ridge. No offense. You were busy. It's okay. Yeah. I didn't have to have a whole lot of notes because, I mean, I told you the whole story. Right. Yeah, work. Without yeah. pretty much... I mean, we yeah. were working, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah. We was working. We was. We was in the Simon cell making Simon chairs. Story time. Man. Story time. Uh, this one... And I was I was five years old when Ruby Ridge happened in 92. So, I've got a, a few memories that are vague. You know, I was six or... I was six... You know, almost six, seven years old, whatever, when Waco happened a year later. Uh, so I got a few more memories of that, but I still have to have quite a bit of notes. So I don't think I can talk this one as much as I could talk. I didn't have to. I'd have been married 22 years old. <laughs> Holy crap. In 93? Yep. Yeah, 22, 23. So, uh, Waco. I mean, a lot of you have heard about it. Some of you have never heard it before. But uh, Waco, uh, it was a siege that was taking place by the FBI and the ATF. In uh, Waco, Texas, between February 28th and April 19th, 1993, a 51-day standoff uh, against a religious sect called the Branch Davidians, uh, who were led by a guy named Vernon Howell, who would later rename himself David Koresh, at their Mark, at their Mount Carmel Center Ranch, uh, 13 miles northeast of Waco. It's technically in, in Axtell, Texas. Uh, this was a, a huge blown up thing and we're gonna get into the, the backstory of it but basically the ATF descended on this ranch because the group was suspected of uh, stockpiling illegal weapons uh, for what they believed was the end of the world and they served a search and arrest warrant one day some officers were shot and killed as well as some Branch Davidians and that's when all hell broke loose and the FBI got involved and a 51-day standoff ensued, which ultimately left, ended with the death of 70, 80-something Branch Davidians, including 25 children. Right, right. So uh, so we're, we're going to get all into that. That's a, it's, a, it's kind of a whose side do you take here type thing. Uh, you know, this is so much nicer now that I got this wireless mouse. But, but uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this is part two of a three-part series with part three coming later this year with Oklahoma City because they're all connected. Right. The Oklahoma City bomber, Tim, Timothy McVeigh, was at Waco watching from the road with the protesters and the, and the, uh, the camera crew. Really? Timothy McVeigh, if you go on YouTube, you can actually find it. He was actually there in the crowd. He got interviewed by reporters at one time. You know how they just interview right, people that right, are bystanders right, and watching? Right. McVeigh actually got interviewed at one point. And what did he say? Ah, fuck, I don't okay. remember. I remember seeing it come across YouTube before. I never did watch be interesting. it. interesting. Watch it. Put it that clip. Huh. Yeah, that's what I say. Huh. I didn't know that. Huh. Huh. So, 
like I said, to to, uh, to tell this story, we're gonna get into this, get a little backstory. But before we do that, uh, I want to pay a bill. All right. Super fast. If you want to pay a bill, yeah, let's pay a bill. Wow, that was fucking loud. All right, guys. So check out Glary Guitars. Uh, check them out at glarymusic.com. Uh, very reasonable, affordable instruments. I've mentioned it till I've been blue in the face. I bought a couple acoustics January last year. They look, sound, play, feel like three to five hundred dollar guitars. When I got mine, I had very little setup out of the box, just a couple adjustments of the neck and the truss rod and everything, and it was ready to go. Give them a call at one six zero six. 404-6286 again that's 606-404-6286 check them out on Facebook check them out at glarymusic.com call them uh, call them call them Kurt says fucking call them I don't think that's too loud in there is it? No. I mean we're gonna have to make a I mean I'm fat I'm just gonna yeah okay alright let me get a drink and I'm gonna hit a vape since I no longer have cigarettes to light up with yep. you so, uh, I said over hope mine if I just smoke one day. Go ahead. Hey, I made it. Tomorrow, uh, Monday will be three weeks. That's pretty impressive. All I got to say is if I tell you midway through the podcast, give me a cigarette, I want you to kick me right in the nuts. Just fucking kick me right in the nuts. Rochambeau? Rochambeau, right in the balls. <laughs> just here. bam. Ow. All right, so let's get into how we got to this 1993 Waco Massacre. And it all started with the Branch Davidians. This is a group of uh, that was basically born in 1955. Uh, they they branched off uh, later, became part of what is now the like Seventh Day Adventists. Really? That's kind of where they're at. Okay, but they're originally part of a group called the Shepherd's Rod. <laughs> Rod. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, my dad, what are you doing tonight? Broadcasting. Going to Kurtz, what are you talking about? Waco. Waco? That thing where all them people died? Yeah. I said, yeah, I was like five, I was like six. It was Waco. Going to do a little broadcasting. Broadcasting. I said, you want me to tell Kurt anything? Tell him, fuck you, and I like it. <laughs> okay, pass that on. But okay, yeah, so anyways, uh, so Shepherd's Rod was... Uh, where Branch Davidians were later devolve them again. They're all in this Seventh Day Adventist type of uh, religious sect. Uh, the founder was a guy named Victor Hotef. He uh, he based this on the prophecy of the end of the world apocalypse right. was coming, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they were trying to defeat the evil armies of Babylon. Some real far out there yes. shit, which right. I can't say completely far out. Christians right. believe in the end of the world. Uh, as the original group gained members, they ended up uh, deciding to move the church to a high hilltop several miles east of Waco, Texas, where they eventually settled what they called Mount Carmel, uh, which was mentioned. It was all biblical going back to Israel and, you know, Joshua in the Old Testament. Uh, anyways, in years in 1959, Hotef's widow announced that they expected an Armageddon to be imminent coming to the United States and America. And the members were told to gather at the center to await this event. So they built a lot of houses, some stayed in tents, trucks, buses. 
they start selling all their shit, but basically they built what would later become the Branch Davidian compound that you would later see right. during the siege. Uh, they, after the failure, go ahead. They had literally hunkered themselves down for the end of the world, yeah. right? and this is in the fucking 50s, in the 60s. They had firearms and stuff. Or but yet the end of it wouldn't fall for another 30 years. Right. So, you know, so after this prophecy failed to happen, you know, after a couple of years, the control of Mount Carmel would fall to a guy named Ben Roden, who was the founder of the Branch Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association. Basically, here we are. And he had slightly different beliefs than what Hotef had, although they were still kind of along the same similar lines, you know. Right. Uh, well, then, on years, a few years passed back in... I guess 20, 15, 20 years. So we, we jump forward to the 1980s. Okay. Late 70s, early 80s. Uh, Roden passes away. So control of the Branch Davidians and the Mount Carmel compound fall, fell to his wife, Lois. Now I'm thinking Family Guy because I just said <laughs> Lois. Yeah, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> so, and this is where shit gets good. Hey, and this mate. is, this, this here is where. This here is where history starts to be made because with her in control, this widow, you would assume that, I mean, this is almost like Egypt and, and princes and, and kings. The king dies, the prince, it, it just goes in succession. Right. She felt her son, George, was unfit to assume control of the compound and be the prophet. He was not dedicated enough to the cause. Again, at this time, not a lot's known about these people, what the right. cause is and right. whatnot. But she had been, uh, my words, she had been swindled. Swindled. That's word of the day. Swindled. swindled. She had been swindled, swindled and suckered by a young, baby face, smooth talking guy named Vernon Howell, who would Sick. later become Mr. David Koresh. And he sweet talked her, might have even pumped a little pussy. I don't know. I should, should I say I probably shouldn't well, say that. Well, but I mean, uh, show, our show, well, it's our show. It's, I mean, she was probably in her eighties, seventies. I don't know. If but he, if he pumped it good, it's, <laughs> it's allowed. Okay. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe I just said pumping pussy on the podcast. Well, you gotta be careful with what you. Oh hey. my god! But something happened here in the late seventies, early eighties, whenever early, and uh, she believed. He was the guy instead of her own son. So she then started to put some things into play to make sure Koresh took control of the Branch Davidians in the compound. So uh, Plot twist. Plot twist. Man. So we jumped to 1984, and there's this huge meeting inside Mount Carmel. Okay? okay. Huge meeting with Koresh leading one of the factions, calling themselves the Branch Davidians, which they are. And Lois Roden's son, the rightful heir, George Roden, with a competing faction. And they were in a power struggle for who's controlling this religious sect right. here. Who's controlling this cause, this movement. Which, again, we have no idea what the cause and movement right. is. All yeah, we know right. is this this thing's that been makes, prepping for that years. Makes me interest, that makes me think, uh, what's the law enforcement, local law enforcement? I wonder what they think of this. Well, time, right, at this time, time, at this time in the 80s, 
These guys are just flying under the radar. Okay. There's nothing really going on right. that anybody knows about. Right. They're just, they're a bunch of religious they nut jobs. Some, they bought a bunch of property. And that's really they, they just, hey, we just leave us the fuck alone. Okay. Like, you know, we're. Okay. So. Well, you kind of, kind of wonder what the, yeah. you know, local law officials would be thinking. Or. But I mean, you know, there, there's not a lot of noise being made right, to, right, to, right. to, okay. to see, the best what anybody can find out. There's nothing illegal going right. on here. It's okay. just a religious group. They've got their own set of, you know, rules. They don't bother anybody. They follow all the American laws and the state of Texas laws. Right. Nobody's bothering them. Nobody knows what's going yeah, on yeah. in there, right? Yeah, okay. Well, so here we got competing factions inside the group. So Rodin grabs a gun. He chases David Koresh and the and a lot of the Branch Davidians off the compound. They leave Mount Carmel. They're gone. So, Koresh uh-huh. takes the the big a big number of Branch Davidians with him, and they move to Palestine, Texas. So, they move away. Okay? So, nobody hears from them, and, you know, George Roden, the rightful heir to his father's, you know, I don't even know if you'd call it a kingdom. Whatever it is. Right. He's running the show. A couple years pass, and his mother, Lois Roden, passes away. And uh, her estate comes up for whatever in January of 87. Good year. I was born in August of 87. <laughs> January of 87. Okay. Well, here comes Koresh back in through the back door, attempting to take control of Mount Carmel again in Waco by force. So George Roden decides for all intents and purposes, fuck this and fuck you. He digs up the casket of a member of the Davidian Cemetery by the name of Anna Hughes. She has absolutely nothing to do with this. He just randomly, I think it was literally eeny, meeny, miny, moe, really? and just picked the casket. Okay. 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 So this shit's already going off the rockers already. Yeah. Okay. So he digs up this casket out of the Davidian Cemetery. And right there in front of the whole compound, the people that stayed, the branch Davidians that came back with Koresh from tech, from Palestine, he challenges him, if he's really a prophet of God, to resurrect this woman who, you know, should be... It's a res- It's literally a... Res- it's a pissing contest. Whose theoretical dick is bigger here? So they're challenging... I'm, I'm, dude, I'm dead serious. They're challenging each other to a resurrection contest. Okay. If you're really a prophet, bring this woman back to life. Okay. Bring this one. Jesus can do it. Why can't you do it? You're the prophet, right? right. Okay. Nut jobs. Yeah. And uh, you're going to tell me that. <laughs> no, I'm interested. I, I was looking at your face. Next. I was looking at your face because I swear to God, I thought you were going to tell me. If you tell me somebody came back from the dead, yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> let's go. What we got? So they challenge Could you them? fucking imagine? They challenge them to a duel. Okay, okay, okay. So I lost my place. Where was it? Well, we're trying uh, to resurrect this lady. Yeah, so basically whoever won this contest would be the rightful heir to the leadership. So they're both completely off their fucking rockers. But Koresh knows there's no way he can resurrect this woman. Dole's over here just smiling like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? So he knows there's no way he can pull this off. Okay. You can't raise the dead. Jesus might have done it, but people like right. me, you, and them, these right. guys. Right. So Koresh decides... He's going to go to the police instead. 
This is where the law enforcement first gets involved with anything. Okay. In 87. He goes to the police and claims corpse abuse because Roden Whoa. dug up this woman's body. Okay. So he's claiming corpse abuse. To try to get him arrested, taken off the compound, he can sweet in and just take control, right? Right, right. Okay. I don't know what county in Texas Waco's in. I don't know if it's Waco County. I don't know what. I don't care. But the county prosecutors refuse to file charges of this without any proof. So it gets better. Okay. November 3rd, 1987. Koresh and seven armed Branch Davidians try to break into the Mount Carmel Chapel intending to photograph the body in the casket as incriminating evidence. <laughs> Rodin gets informed of this and a huge fucking gunfight breaks out at the Mount Carmel Center, okay? The Sheriff's Department then is, okay, we get this weird call about corpse abuse, right. whatever. Now we got gunshots. So now this place is, for the second time, getting a little bit of police right. focus right. and attention. They respond in 20 minutes or so to the gunfight. Roden had been wounded. Uh, sh the sheriff got on the bullhorn. Uh, he got a hold of Koresh, told him to stop shooting and surrender. So, <laughs> David Koresh and his companions were dubbed the Rodenville Eight by the media. They were tried for attempted murder of George Roden and whoever else. And this was done in April of 88. Okay. Seven members of the Branch Davidians were acquitted of this. And then they had a hung jury on David Koresh. Okay. Verdict. So, prosecutors did not press the case further. In hindsight, if they would have continued this, this would have been the end. We would never be talking about Waco again. They would have just fell off, you know. But it gets even better. <laughs> even... During this court case and trial, Koresh tried to get them to bring the casket to court. <laughs> really? Like, this shit's like... Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, but, but answer me this. Are you hooked on the story right now? It's, it's pretty interesting, yeah. Okay. Because, sure. I mean, it's a hell of a good backstory to get to the story. Okay. And, I mean, we're, right. pretty, we're pretty thorough here, right? Well, yeah, we try to be. Two yeah. idiots talking sports. Tits. Yeah. Tits pocket. But no tits tonight. Dead tits. <laughs> oh. Wow, we're getting we're losing every sponsor we have. Yep. There's All right. Poof. The judge shot that down, said you can't bring a casket with a corpse into the courtroom. Koresh's defense attorney requested that it be used as evidence for the case. Judge said you guys are are nuts. Um and then it come out during the case that these men actually tried to resurrect the dead body three different times. Oh boy. <laughs> They're on blood. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, don't, what was that? They're on drugs. They're on drugs. So, uh, let me. So, not a lot happened, uh, or well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I can't get to it. Uh, let me look here. Um. Avalanche. Yeah. Rodin, of course, would be jailed for six months for digging up a corpse, a, cor a corpse, whatnot, whole bunch of stuff. Is it six months? Yeah, six months. Uh, but like I said, you know, Koresh attempted to murder this guy, didn't get no charges. Right. Uh, 
Hang on a second. He's just out of the overreach. I don't think we're the best yeah. Well, I, let me take that back. So, while this trial was ongoing for the attempted murder, the victim of the attempted murder, Roden, was thrown in jail under contempt of court charges because he kept using pervasive foul language in the court proceedings. He threatened the Texas <laughs> court with STDs if the court ruled in. Oh, my God. Crash's favor. I don't even know where this shit's come from. He got jailed six months for, you know, the explicit language and something about the corpse. Uh, the next day, I don't know how this happened, Koresh and the Branch Davidians moved back to the compound. So, in 1989, this is where, this is where shit really starts to ramp up, because now we're like five years away from... Okay. Roden takes a pickaxe and kills a Branch Davidian. Oh, no. He killed him because he was challenging him on his vision of being God's chosen Messiah. He was found guilty under reason of insanity. He was committed to a mental hospital. With After Rodin is locked and secured away in a mental institution, right? Hal raised money, and this is how he did it. Vernon Hal, also known as David Koresh, the devil in the flesh, the sweet-talking fucking devil here, he raised money to help pay off all the back taxes on the Mount Carmel compound owed by the Roden family, and because of this, he took legal control of the property, and since it appeared to the outsiders who, the other half of the Davidians who were siding with Roden, what looked like this bad guy Koresh wasn't so bad after all, because he saved us our home. Yeah. So that's how the motherfucker just weasels in, and now he has control. And everybody thinks he's the chosen one. Of the compound. And this is a very special day. August 5th, 1989. I was born August 5th, 1987. August 5th, 89, Koresh releases an audio tape called The New Light. Best of my knowledge, you can still find clips of it on YouTube. Uh, The tape basically said that God told him to procreate with women in the group to establish a house of David for his special people. This involved him sleeping with already married women who would agree that he could only have sexual relations with the wives and the men have to observe celibacy. He said God told him to start building an army for the people, for God, for the end of days that was coming in the prior years. Koresh filed a petition in the California State Superior Court in the city of Pomona on May 15, 1990 to legally change his name for publicity and business purposes from Vernon Howe to David Koresh. On August 28th, he was granted this petition. And by 1992, the majority of the land belonging to the Koresh, or to the Wet Branch Davidians, had been sold to them. They were finally in possession of it. Uh, Most of the buildings had been removed. Uh, You know, Basically, there was more work that he'd done on the compound, and now it was fully functioning. They collecting buckets for right. ra- barrels for rainwater. They were trying to be completely self-sufficient. Wow. Uh, many of the members of the group have been involved with the Davidian, uh, Branch Davidians for a lot of years. Many had large families. This, at all intents and purposes, looked like a self-reliant, self-sufficient group. Yeah, they had to make trips to the to the store right. from time to time, but they were really living off the grid, right. living off the land. And so, good God, you're banging! What was that? 
scared the shit out of me. I jumped. Dole can hurt me. I'm scared of him. <laughs> All right, puss. All right. So there's the backstory. All right. Are now, you good? Yeah, we're good. Got anything you want to add? Is that where Baylor uh, is? It's interesting. Isn't that, yeah, Baylor's at Waco. Yeah. That's a pretty interesting story so far, yeah. They just paint the picture of who this guy well, is, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, he literally weaseled his way into control. It's a mind fuck. Yeah. Is all it is. Yeah. And even though it's a mind fuck, we'll find out at the end if this was government overreach. I have my opinion. Okay. I think probably wasn't government overreach. It was. <laughs> I mean, they killed Tupac. They killed John F. Kennedy. Who did? The government. Well, they definitely I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube last night, two thirty in the morning. Be careful in here. You know, you know about you know what I'm talking about. You I, both I'm, do the rabbit holes on YouTube. I'm a YouTube rabbit hole. I yeah. watched uh, this thing about Kennedy's after he died. Okay, everybody, my show, Kurt's show, shut up. We're going to take a sidebar. So I went on this YouTube rabbit hole thing last night. Yeah. And there's this woman Did who's... Did up? Oh, God, dude, I should have. Yep. 2.30 in the morning. Yep. I didn't move That's or blink time. for 42 minutes. Yep. That was the length of this video. So this woman is a licensed undertaker. Okay. She's a mortician. Right. But she also does, like, documentaries and podcasts. Real cool shit. She's an evil, twisted, gothic bitch. Kind of hot. Real cool <laughs> shit. So she, the, the title of the video was Why JFK Had a Closed Casket. So we went down this rabbit hole and it was talking about Jackie Onassis's, you know, the things she was doing and yeah. just everything. So when Kennedy was pronounced dead at like one o'clock in the afternoon, like what, an hour or two after yeah. he was shot, yeah. the Secret Service in 63, which hadn't been around that long, right? they called this local. Uh, mortuary, like two miles from the hospital. They said, This is the United States government. Bring us the best casket you got. Okay. So they bring like this $3,000 casket, which is the equivalent of like $17,000 a day or something. Right. It's like 500 pounds, 400 pounds. It's like double insulated, double walled, hermetically sealed. So they put Kennedy's body in here, and then they're like, Well, he's going to leak out, you know? All right. So they wrap the whole casket in plastic on the inside, like. Right. Plastic. Right. They beat this casket all the shit. By the time it gets off the plane in Washington D.C., part of it's broken off oh, and it's no. in places. And uh, they spent like twenty-something hours in '63 reconstructing Kennedy's skull with like cotton and plaster and everything to try to make him look like JFK. Yeah. yeah. And Jackie said, "Don't look like him." So they wanted the casket closed. And they're like, you know, he's a president. He belongs to the people. He deserves an open casket. Yeah, but <laughs> so it, uh, it's just it's a rabbit hole. Yeah, rabbit hole. Uh, that's, okay, that's crazy. Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy. Yeah. No. Jack Ruby killed Oswald. That's what they say. That's, that's what, what they say. What they say. I know what I'm saying. Hang on, I got a point. So Oswald shoots Kennedy. Okay. Why does Ruby shoot Oswald? Because. Because he's getting all the money from actually killing Kennedy. But anyways, yeah. he didn't want to split the Did you know there's a federal law that was enacted? Uh, I think it was in the 70s, so maybe like 10 years after Kennedy was assassinated. Anything dealing with Kennedy or assassination is it? Anything dealing with Kennedy or his assassination is like protected under yeah. 
federal law and yeah, memorabilia. Yeah, I wonder why that would be. It's pretty obvious. But the best part of this story, the original casket that he was taken back to Washington, the casket that was beaten and banged around and broken in pieces because they were having to carry they carried it up the steps on Air Force One. Right. Four or five hundred pounds and there's fucking pulling around. They stole the hearse from the guy that brought the casket there, took it to the airport, uh they said you can pick it up at the airport. We're taking you back to the airport. Well they didn't realize that he had locked the casket into place. So they don't have nothing to unlock the casket with so it didn't slide around in the yeah. hearse. So they Destroy part oh, of the casket, yeah. forcefully ripping 400 pounds up off the right floor. That's the government, right? There. So <laughs> then they 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 get this man lift to unload Kennedy at the Washington D.C. airport, right? Okay. Okay. So when they're taking the casket out, the lift stops five feet short of ground. So they're literally like pushing the casket down this ramp that this this lift that won't go any further. It's five feet above ground. Well, they drop part of the casket on the ground. Doobie so then they got to pick it up. So anyways. The, the original casket yeah the original casket was actually still around somebody had put it somewhere in dc the government or somebody it stayed around for like 10 years 15 years after kennedy was assassinated so then the issue got brought up by somebody what do we do with the original casket so what they did so no private collector could get right. this and of right. course you know that'd be like a holy grail right. piece right they drilled a shit ton of holes in it and gave it an at-sea burial. Shoved it off in the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. Okay. But anyways. That's pretty cool. Huh. We just took a total sidebar there, didn't we? sidebar? Sidebar. Are they pretty good? Was that? Like okay. chocolate or sidebar? What, what are we talking about? A salad bar? Oh. We sorry. had Taco Bell. We're good. Yeah. We ran for the border. Yeah. And when I'm, we got there, it was a mess. I bought, <laughs> I bought Taco Bell. Kurt's son ate an entire fucking steak quesadilla by himself. Yeah. He whooped it down. Yeah, he whooped it down and said, I don't know what this is, but I'm eating it. Like it was primitive or something. Like primitive. That. Okay, so you ready to roll? Yep. So, uh, so February 27th, 1993, the Waco Tribune Herald published an article called The Sinful Messiah. And it was a series of articles by some people named Mark England and Darlene McCormick who reported allegations made from people who had left the Branch Davidian lifestyle that inside this compound, David Koresh had physically abused children in the compound and committed statutory rape, taking multiple underage brides and impregnating them. Koresh was also said to be a huge proponent of polygamy for himself and declared himself married to several of the female residents inside the Mount Carmel community. Okay. The paper would claim that Koresh had announced he was entitled to at least 140 wives. That's and my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't let it out there for a minute. Oh, shit. Okay. So not safe for work, baby. Not safe for work. <laughs> That's fine. You, right. know what, you know what that is? Uh, Scott Swinghammer just walked past you. <laughs> Corey's listening to this in his speaker right now. And then all you heard was, That's a lot of pussy. That's my pussy. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and now they're looking at you and you're fired. And fired. Hurt, Mr. Hummerflu. Yes. Fired. Fired. Yes. Fired. Fired. <laughs> 
This is Mr. Hummerflug. So he's claiming that that's all his. So, yeah, so okay. he's claiming he's entitled to at least 140 wives and that he could claim any of the women in the group as his and that he had fathered at least a dozen children with some of these mothers as young as 12 or 13 years old. So now this just completely fucking changes everything, right? Right. Okay, so now it's like, you sick fuck. Yep. Okay. That's my old lady. But it, but it gets better. So, so, as I stated, prior to this whole pissing contest between Rodin and, and Koresh, the cops had never for 30 years had pretty much nothing to do with Mount Carmel and the right. British Davidians. Right. Didn't even know anything about them. Right. Then this little pissing contest on whose theoretical dick was bigger brought, you know, law enforcement attention. Right. I wondered, it, how the, yeah, I wondered how the government got so, so then it kind of goes away. Well, okay. This article was published in February of 93. Okay. Okay. So they go back underground for a while. Well, right? you know. Kind, well, they're, they're kind of resurfacing because they've been quiet for a couple of years. Right. And then this, but anyways... A whole bunch of shit's fixing to blow open. Okay. So, in addition to the allegations of sexual abuse and misconduct, word starts to leak out about a stash, a huge stash of illegal weapons. Heavy artillery, grenades, rocket launchers, handguns, automatic rifles, semi-automatic rifles, shotguns with sawed-off barrel, like the whole work of shit. Well, then word comes out after Waco goes down that in May of 92 so prior to the year uh, the ATF was notified that a UPS driver had come back from a delivery and told his superior who then later got a hold of uh, Texas County law enforcement who then got a hold of the ATF hey I've been delivering a lot of packages out to the the Branch Davidian compound and uh, one of the packages busted open the other week, and there's firearms in there, there's grenades, there's black powder, there's stuff to make bombs. Whistleblower. Yeah, just a UPS driver, okay? Okay. So, June 9th of 92. So, so again, the, the siege goes down in February 93. This article comes out in February 93, but we jump it back in time. In June of 92, the ATF would then open a clandestine investigation uh about what's going on with Branch Davidians. So here, their their law enforcement's been away for a couple years. They're back watching this place. What's lost in the shuffle of all this is this investigation goes on while the investigation into Ruby Ridge is starting. You know, the Weaver family and everything, the the gunfight went down in August of 92, but Weaver had been in an investigation for a year prior. So, a lot of shit going on. Uh, And then, later on in the summer of 92, there's reports the ATF said that uh, they're hearing reports of heavy, heavy automatic gunfire in the middle of the night going off the compound, which is led to believe they're testing weapons. Right. Okay? On July 30th of 92, ATF agents get involved and... uh, they visited a guy named Henry McMahon, who was the gun dealer for the Branch Davidians. He, they tried to get him to talk with Koresh on the phone. Um, didn't no. really go so well. Yeah, yeah. No dice. Huh? Yeah. Koresh does get notified of this, and he's offering at the time, in July of 92, 
to let the ATF inspect their weapons and paperwork claiming that we have everything legal. The U.S. government would later report that that was not true. But then it later comes out that Koresh did offer for them to come and inspect this, okay. but the agents declined. So it's a he said, she said thing. Right. So, okay. so that's important to remember right. for later. Uh-uh. Um, one of the law enforcement agents involved in this investigation, you know, uh, talked about Koresh, uh, said, we don't have to notify these people. Let's just go out and talk to them. You know, kick the tires. There's nothing wrong with police making right. just a friendly stop to see what's going on in the right. neighborhood. We're hearing some gunshots. Right. Suspicious activity. Suspicious activity, yeah. Uh, they ended up sending an undercover agent in, though, who Koresh would later learn this guy's undercover, and that pissed him off. Uh-huh. So during this un- vest- undercover investigation, with this quote-unquote mole on the inside, the ATF, the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Farms, they were able to obtain a search and arrest warrant for several of the Branch Davidians uh, because they were illegally modifying weapons to have full automatic fire capability. Uh, Uh, He had, like, Crash had, like, M16 lower receiver parts, which, as well as you know, is the gun. The lower part is basically what gun gun laws considered to be the... You know, right, right. So this shit's going down. So keep in mind this article that we keep talking about. When we jumped forward to, we got done with the backstory. This article right. come out February of '93, February okay. 27th, February 25th of 1993. The United States government and the ATF obtained a legal search and arrest warrant for Koresh and several members of the Branch Davidian compounds. Okay, so. This is this is going on. The sheriff was, no, you know, the sheriff was noted that year earlier that, like I said, all the shit they got, and I'm, I don't want to go through it again. But right. Basically, they're they're using a store at, that was named at the time called the Mag Bag, which is kind of <laughs> cool. That's where they're getting a lot of this right. illegal shit from, right? Right. Uh, or Crush well, said it was all legal. Well, it is until it modified it. Right. Um, and like I said, there, there's bomb making things in there. Powder, you know, black powder, aluminum, metal, cardboard tubes. There's all these revolvers, semi-automatic handguns, semi-automatic rifles, fully automatic rifles, grenades, grenade launchers, rocket launchers. There was reports of 50 cows being in there. Uh, during the investigation, they said there wasn't no 50 cows, but a farmer who lived close to the compound said he did a tour overseas. He knows what a 50 cow yeah. sounds like. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So that's really bringing us up to where we're at here. Okay. So now there's this guy's, you know, he's banging a lot of women. So and he's armed to the teeth. He's armed to the teeth. He's yeah. apparently they're we know they're off the rocker a little bit because right. they had a pissing right. contest to try to resurrect right. a dead woman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so and now there's there's girls as young as twelve and thirteen that are mothers, oh, and boy. this dude is still. Essentially, I guess raping underage oh women. So that's bad. What what is going? And this is supposed to be Bible followers yeah, here, right? Okay. So this is how we all begin. This is how it all began. Here's the fur- here's the backstory. Here we are. The report. Now we go to the first day of the ATF raid. Okay. Which okay, but before we do that, Kurt likes money. Ah. Uh. 
And uh, uh, you don't want to pay a bill? Oh, we'll pay a bill, but that's my money. <laughs> they hey, they they promote us a little bit. I know. Okay, let's let's hey, it's a lot of automatic weaponry. Let's pay tribute to the mil- military. So. Yeah, there you go. So guys, check out Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, Kurt and I pushed the shit out of anything veteran owned, nope. and uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran owned. Check them out on Facebook, all over social media. Check out their dot com. There's a uh, cool swag for men and women: hats, t-shirts, swag, koozies. Oh, they have uh, a lot of good coffee, tremendous energy drinks. <coughs> so uh, you can pick Black Rifle Coffee is available at all your. You know, retailers for the most part. The energy drinks available at all gas stations. Pick them. Yeah. Uh, I like the espresso one myself. That's what you tell me. The energy me. drink. Yeah, you see it's pretty good. I huh? feel like I could uh, play, I don't know, <laughs> pitch and catch with a fucking Buick with it, you know? <laughs> but, uh, all right. Yeah. I told you I think this episode was going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. Correct, man. This guy's... The devil in disguise. Yes, he is. It's slick. I keep looking to see if you're bored, but you're not. You don't look bored tonight, so I'm gonna keep rolling. <laughs> hey, some nights I can see. It's like, man, he's kind of just like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, I'd rather I, be playing basketball right I now. I never do something like that. <laughs> you uh, look so. You ought to see him. He's got on maroon shorts and an orange cut sleeve shirt. I'm styling. Yeah. <laughs> Say for and shizzle. no Steelers hat. For shizzle. Where's the Steelers hat? It's right behind you. It's not far away. <laughs> what are they doing? I don't really know. Okay, all right. Did you say the word dildo? <laughs> you can't say dildo on the podcast. Uh, that's kind of a weird. <gasps> I swear you said dildo on the podcast. It's kind of a weird word anyway. Isn't it? Yeah, okay. it, be that it should be called fake point. penis, isn't it? I mean, fake penis. Dildo. We just, you can't say fake penis? I just said fake penis. I'm sorry. Hey, Kurt. I'm sorry, folks. Wieners? Bottle. I, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're losing every sponsor we have tonight. Okay, so once again, just as a refresher, the this article about the child abuse and everything comes out February 27, 93. Three days prior, February, or two days prior, February 25th of 93, they obtained the search and arrest warrant. Okay. So they're gearing up. I'm trying to think what I was doing. Ninety-three. I don't even know. I would have. Yeah, I was five, five, six. I probably had my second child. Ninety-three. Yeah. I was brand new. You weren't even born ninety-three. Yes, I was. That's Were you? That's the year I was born. Yes. Ninety-three. Ninety-three model. Yeah. When? May eleventh. May eleventh. I'm a Taurus. Oh, my ex-wife was a Taurus. Oh boy. Uh, extreme, uh, Taurus women are known to be extremely very good at a lot of things. Yeah, just, hey, easy, son. And she was, but easy. <laughs> easy. Okay. What are you guys talking about? So. <laughs> what? So, the, so, okay, we got we to gotta get focused. Uh, knitting, sewing. Knitting. Food. Uh, what did I say earlier? What did I say earlier? Se- food is more important to me uh, than sex. Yeah, yeah I did. I, le- I really did, well, didn't I? I? Just have to agree with you. I, I, I mean, think that'd be uh, about these days. I'd probably say the same. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, uh, what's more important, a woman that'll, you know, food cook for me? That's what I want. Yeah. Okay. So the the search warrant that they obtained on the twenty fifth of February ninety 
two days before the article was released on February 27, 93, stated that the search warrant had to be served on or before February 28th between the hours of 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. The ATF would also backroll this claim or this warrant by saying that Koresh was possibly operating a methamphetamine lab Yo. to establish to establish a drug hold and obtain military assets under the war on drugs. Although the ATF's investigation was focused primarily on firearm violations, not illegal drugs, the ATF then requested assistance from the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, and the DOD, the Department of Defense, citing a drug connection based on recent delivery of chemical instruments and glassware to the compound and a written testimony from a former compound resident who alleged that David Koresh told him drug trafficking was a great way to make money. Another connection was several current residents who had prior drug involvement and convictions, two former Branch Davidians who were incarcerated for drug trafficking crimes, and lastly, the National Guard of Texas's flights over the compound with thermal images showing hot spots inside the compound, possibly indicating a methamphetamine manufacturing operation. Hot spots. So that's a lot to take down. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hot spots. Hot spots. What do you want to say about hot spots? I mean, I, I mean, it could have been people. I just saying. I mean, I don't know. I don't that, mean that to. Time, uh, the technology was primitive y- yeah, at best. But you, I mean, you. Uh, what did you tell me once upon a time? I'm not trying to, you know. What did you tell me about? If they see. A lot of electricity, like your electricity oh, yeah. bill gets jacked way right, high, right, right. and there's yeah, lights gonna, on all the time. They're and gonna be checking you out. So, hot, what's hot spots? That's okay. I'm not saying Crash is a good guy because I'll uh, never right. stand up for the son of a right, bitch. But right. I'll tell you this: he was slick, but he was street. He was book smart yeah. as fuck. He was he was a city slicker, but he was book smart yeah, as fuck. Street smart. Look smart, and I guarantee you, 1993 was a long time ago, son. That is, yeah. uh, what, uh, 29 years ago, yeah. something like that. Yeah. 30 years ago, 29. 29. Yeah, um, that was probably a good way to make money back then. Yeah, to bankroll whatever. Apparently, you're thinking and is going to happen in the end of the world. You're stockpiling weapons back, back then too. I guess back then the that'd be about the time where you could still get. The ingredients to make the that kind of mess they was making back in too. That was before. Wasn't that before they were doing all the pseudo cooks, the pseudoephedrine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the well, old there, there school. Wasn't no, there wasn't no really no laws on how much pseudo you could obtain and be in possession of. That's just come down in recent in the last 10, 15, yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Two thousand seven. I was I was working at the pharmacy for a while when I still had my pharmacy tech license. Back then, it wasn't tracked with your uh, scanning your license. Right. You literally had to get a book. Yeah. And write down in the book, yeah. and there was no limit to how many times right, you could get a visit. Right, right. But you you could be in the book one day, come back in the next day, and get another box. Yeah, right. So but anyway, the uh, I'm just interested. I didn't know that part of it. I didn't either. Yeah. All right. So, like I said, I don't know this story as well. Like I could recite Ruby Ridge with my eyes closed. I didn't right. need any notes for that. Here, I got to have some notes. Right. Uh, they were. The ATF was denied assistance from the federal government at first, 
but eventually it was uh, approved uh, and they got assistance from um, I think it was Fort Hood, Texas, the big one of the biggest ba- military bases in the world, and they gave us some training. They, the ATF, then decided they were going to plan their raid on Waco on March four, uh, March first of ninety three. The code name, oh boy, Showtime, uh-uh. Showtime, Showtime Lakers. <laughs> Is Dole? Can you hear me? He's outside. Uh-uh. There will be a Showtime uh-uh. Lakers episode. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> But anyways, uh, excuse me. Going back to February first, a month prior, okay. the ATF agents had had meetings with the Waco Tribune paper, were asking them to delay their publication of the Sinful Messiah article, which was about Koresh. The paper was first told by the ATF that the raid would take place February twenty second. Which they changed to March 1st. Well, the ATF agents felt the newspaper held off the publication for three weeks. And then the editors-in-chief, the higher-ups at the newspaper, thought this was such a hot story they couldn't wait any longer. So they release it. So after they released it on February 27th, ATF's like, well, fuck. (laughs) We might as well just go in now because something might be happening. Uh, The ATF maintains to this day that they they was hoping to catch Caress outside of Mount Carmel uh, and just grab him in a very peaceful exchange. Sure bet. Sure bet. What you gotta understand is I don't I'm not saying this guy was a killer. I don't think he was. But this guy is off his rocker. Yeah. And this is some extremist shit and he's living breathing proof in his mind that he's, he's not the Messiah. He's the no he believes he is the Messiah. Right. right yeah. But he's not. Everybody else, yeah. So he's not going to go peacefully for right. for anything. Like, uh, of course they weren't able to catch him outside. You think that, you think that we would have figured it out when he couldn't raise the dead? That he was not the Messiah, right? Uh, well, so so here we go. Okay. So they executed their search warrant on Sunday morning, February twenty eighth, nineteen ninety three. Uh, the local sheriff said he was not notified that the raid was going to happen on that day. Despite being informed that the Branch Davidians knew a raid was coming, the ATF commander ordered to go ahead and go through with it that day. There, um, well, it wasn't standard procedure. The ATF agents, for whatever reason had their blood type written on their arms or neck when leaving the staging area before the raid because it was recommended by the United States military, like the National Guardsmen, to fill us, to help them facilitate uh, a speedier blood transfusion in case of injury, right. which says to me <coughs> they they're come. worried about these yeah. weapons yeah. involved. Like, Absolutely. Hey, let's cover all bases. Yeah. Somebody might not be making it back. Right. Okay? Uh... The surprise raid, you know, I'm sure Crash and the Davidians know that there's something coming in a few days. Yeah. Now, I'm sure I don't, he had outside I don't think, forces. I don't think they knew that day that it was going to happen. But any advantage they had to to this being a surprise attack on the compound was lost because a reporter had been tipped off about the raid and then asked directions from the UPS mail carrier who 
was David Koresh's brother-in-law. Ah. Koresh then notified undercover agent Robert Rodriguez that they knew a raid was intimate. Rodriguez was the undercover mole in the Branch Davidians. Uh-huh. And anyways. <laughs> they, yeah. What did he do to him? Well, Koresh was then surprised because that's when he found out that this guy's a mole in the compound. Right. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll find out. Uh, he said he had to go make a phone call or something. He left the compound, so it looks like he might got out free. Uh, Branch Davidian survivors who reminisce about what happened that morning writ that Koresh ordered selected males to begin arming and taking up defensive positions while the women and children were told to take cover in the rooms. Koresh would say that he would try to speak to the agents and get this a peaceful situation, uh, but that didn't happen. The ATF arrived at 9.45 a.m. and a convoy of civilian vehicles uh, containing personnel in SWAT gear. Huh. So there's no peaceful here. If you're right. coming in SWAT right. gear... Right. Yeah. If you're coming in SWAT gear, you're not coming to talk right. peaceful. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. They're looking for a target. Big yeah. fucking exactly. Uh, now, this has long since been debated to this day who fired the first shots. ATF agents state to this day they heard shots coming from within the compound. While survivors from the Branch Davidians to this day say that the ATF agents came and shot first. Now, a, reason, a suggested reasoning behind this is that uh, there may have been an accidental discharge of a weapon by an ATF agent, causing the ATF to respond with fire from the weapons, which then caused the Branch Davidians to respond to the fire. Okay. Other, <laughs> other reports claim... How do I hate shoot this thing anyway? Well, and this is, this is funny, because here comes our Ruby Ridge, you know, similar to Ruby Ridge. Other reports claim that the first shots were fired by the ATF dog team as they went in and killed some of the Rottweilers in the Branch Davidian compound kennel. Which harkens back to the story I told you, Ruby Ridge, the agents fired on the dog right. that, that sparked them, and the 14-year-old Weaver boy said, you killed my dog, you motherfucker, yeah, yeah. and he opened fire right. killing the agent. Anyways. That's a possibility, yeah. That's a possibility. Kill a man's dog. Yeah. I'll be ready. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do if somebody come in just shoots luck? Well, I mean, a man, you kill a man's dog. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a possibility for sure. That's a possibility. Helicopters, the Army National Guard, the Texas National Guard, held three helicopters were flown in as an aerial distraction, and they started taking incoming fire as the Davidians literally started shooting up oh, yeah. in the sky. Okay. Holy crap. But during the first few shots, David Koresh got wounded. He was out there on the... So he here's the leader. Okay. He's who, actually, I mean, he's committed to his on, cause. No. He's on the front line, yeah, okay. right? He gets wounded, <clears throat> takes a couple rounds <clears throat> in the belly, uh, takes one uh, in the hand, and then within minutes of the raid starting, uh, Branch Davidian, from inside the compound, called emergency services, called 911, pleading for them to stop shooting. He asked for a ceasefire... And the audio tapes that was released to the public later on said, here they come again. That's them shooting. That's not us. Please stop shooting. And, of course, we have an ATF casualty. An agent who made it to the west side of the building was wounded. uh, And then eventually 
passed away. The helicopters began their diversion. They swept in, you know, close to the building. All chaos is going on. Right. You know, fuck, helicopters are flowing real low, kicking shit up. Gunshots are ringing out from everywhere. Uh, yeah, skip a little forward and, here. Uh, Crash is injured. Crash is injured. Some ATF agents are getting injured. Some Branch Davidians are getting killed. Uh, an agent was shooting at a Branch Davidian, then he got hit in the head with a shotgun round. Uh-huh. Lost half his face. Yeah. The agents killed another Branch Davidian, another guy. So, so there's death coming. Like this right. is a full-fledged fucking shootout. Uh, that went on for several minutes. Uh, the wounded was increasing on both sides. Another agent was killed. The shooting went on for almost a two-hour period. Damn, a- so if you're having two hours worth of gunfight, a lot of rounds. And you're out. yeah, you're the compound itself. Then all these claims are true. These guys have a lot of. There was something going on for years flying underneath yeah. the radar yeah. here. You got enough to fuel a third world country for a fucking month, you know. Yeah. Uh, eventually, early that afternoon, a uh, the ATF agents were running out of ammunition. Oh, the Davidians had plenty, and eventually, a ceasefire was was reached and agreed. Uh, four ATF agents lost their life in the gunfight. Another sixteen have been injured. Uh, after the ceasefire, the Branch Davidians peacefully, which is funny, peacefully okay. allowed the ATF agents to receive the dead bodies and evacuate them uh, while holding their fire. Right, right. Five Branch Davidians were killed and several were wounded. Uh, two, bro- two Branch Davidians were actually killed by their own, one accidental and one a mercy killing, which I assume means okay, just right. put them out of their right, misery. Right, right. Okay. Uh, the bodies were later buried at the ground, and uh, so it had been quiet, peaceful, and about six hours after the ceasefire ended, one more Branch Davidian was killed, shot dead by ATF agents as he allegedly ran out of the compound with a gun in hand. I don't know where uh, he thought he was going. Uh, but uh, reports would later come out that the Branch Davidians did not ambush the ATF, that they were responding to the fire, which was open first. Uh, so. Which makes sense, I guess. Or does it? Oh. Hmm. Uh, you interested? What do you think? I think they opened fire first. The ATF? Yeah, yeah fuck yeah, too. they did. I do too. Here's what I'm thinking. So, these guys are flying under the radar for a few years now. The only link that I could find that law enforcement was ever involved was this whole raising the dead, he said, she said, try right. to get control. After that was all done, it went quiet. Right. Yeah. That right. allowed them a several year period yeah, under right. Koresh's reign to smuggle in hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition weapon bomb making everything right okay the government into the world yeah yeah so here's the government the federal government the atf they know they've got to do something about these illegal arms right you know these are semi-peaceful people we've not really had trouble with them they're armed to the teeth they're armed to the teeth something bad can happen let's go in there 
Well, then the newspaper releases this article the day before. Okay. Okay. Now there's there's alleged child abuse. There's a man inside right, impregnating right, twelve right, year old right, girls. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't condone it. The that. internet's not around in '93, but national news is national news. Right. This organ, the the government's going to look like a bunch of asses, which is going to play a huge part <laughs> towards the end of the story. We're going to go in and kick doors. I I fucking firmly believe ATF shot first. Yeah, I do too. This is the ATF. Yeah. All right. All right. This is the ATF that was involved with the FBI. Accidental or not, the no. first the full fucking knew what was going right, on. Right, Safety right. off and yep. fucking Katie bar yep. the door, son. Yep. Katie bar the door. Huh. Yeah, I think they did too. It don't make sense for the compounded fire first, really. Right. Uh. There's going to be some skipping ahead and, and, and bringing back in this story. A, a federal report in 1999 would claim part of the investigation that was uh, brought on after this was that the violent tendencies of dangerous cults can be classified into defensive violence and offensive violence, which is pretty much, you know, <laughs> yeah. offense and defense. Right. Uh, the report would claim that uh, was defensive violence with... So, which the federal government's saying that, yeah. this was a defensive. Right. Okay. So, after this is over, ATF agents established contact with Koresh and others inside the compound. The FBI then come to town. Hey, the fucking FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They take control of this whole situation, and st- which was originally an ATF investigation. Now, the FBI is involved because of the death of federal agents, and the ATF works in conjunction but answers to the FBI. Yeah, right. The hostage rescue team, the HRT team, this is the same team that executed Vicki Weaver with the siege on Ruby Ridge less than a year before okay, okay. in August of 93. So they have experience. Yeah, yeah. This is a... Uh, so, HRT Commander Richard Rogers, he was the one who was in charge of the Ruby Ridge incident. Okay. So he's in charge at Waco. How they let this son of a bitch be in charge after, you know, a 14-year-old boy and a a mother is shot and Ruby Ridge here. Anyways, uh, but now over the course of the next 51 days, the Branch Davidians are talking essentially to the FBI and the ATF. But over the course of 51 days, the FBI starts cutting the Branch Davidians out from the rest of the world, cutting out their communications. And the only communication was by a telephone line that was rung up to go inside the compound so they could talk to Koresh. And he's injured at this time. Well, he's injured, but receiving medical attention from on the inside. Okay, okay. But obviously he survived because he was there in the end. The first few days of this standoff, you know, the FBI is thinking they're, they're making some headway because Koresh made an agreement with them that the Branch Davidians would peacefully leave the compound in return for David Koresh being broadcast on the national radio with his Messiah message. <laughs> the broadcast is made. It's put out there on public national fucking radio airwaves. And he told negotiators that God told him to remain in the building and wait. After he agreed to leave after his broadcast, he said, God is telling me to wait. Please respect my religious beliefs. 
you're full of shit. You're just you know you're going to jail. Yeah. You're not you're not yeah. leaving the fucking building. You know you're going to jail. Right, right. Okay. Despite this, and obviously you know the government's pissed off about right. this, right? Right. Okay. Bodies start to come out. There's hundreds of people inside here. Okay. Nineteen children, ranging from ages five months to twelve years. Some of them come out with or without their parents. Uh, and so, you know, 19 children come out, but there's still like over 100 people inside this building. The children, when they came out, were being interviewed one at a time by the FBI, the ATF, the Texas Rangers, and some members of the Texas National Guard. Sometimes they're interviewed for hours at a time. Allegedly, several of the children had been physically and sexually abused long before the standoff ever committed. Oh, boy. Which pretty much goes to prove. Koresh is sleeping with these 12, yeah. 13, 14 yeah. year old girls right. and impregnating right. them. Right. Okay? So, at this time in 93, who's president of the United States? You remember? Uh, Bush. No. No. Right after Bush. Clinton. Clinton. That's right. And the old haggerbagger herself, the Attorney General, yeah. Janet Reno. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, these, these allegations of this sexual abuse of children was key justification later on at the end of the siege for them to just say go balls out and go get these motherfuckers out of the right. compound right they, they don't do this yet uh during the siege the fbi sent a video camera to the branch division where's luck that's why i call her oh he's over there, okay is kyle over there? i don't think so that must be outside shooting hoops anyway so they sent a camera inside the compound right okay okay uh, they do this so they can have more contact with Koresh because even though they, they, they set up the phone line to run into the building well Koresh does this and he would release videotapes uh, he would introduce his children and his wives to the FBI negotiators and he literally had fathered 15 14 or 15 children inside the compound oh boy okay 14 or 15 Different girls, one range and, and young, yeah, yeah. So, and then you know, other branch Davidians would talk to the camera. So nine days into this, the branch Davidians sent out a videotape to show the FBI that there's no hostages being kept in here. Everyone was staying inside on their own free will. Uh, Koresh is a sick fuck. He's <laughs> impregnated like 15 girls. Right. Um, but basically, the message is they're they're happy, they're free, they're peaceful. There's not a hostage situation. So, they see this videotape, and they're pissed. Because I believe, in their mind, they're wanting like this to be a hostage situation. Right. So they can just, again, Katie bar the door, go in, go balls deep, and... Probably shouldn't say balls deep, but... <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyways... Well, you know. The video showed there was still an astronomical amount of children inside the compound. Child care professionals were on the outside of this compound with the FBI and the whole Waco team ready to take the children at a moment's notice to get them checked out, to get them trauma help, whatever. Right. But as the siege would continue to, to go on, Koresh would kept negotiating for more time. He said he said that he needed time so he could relight, so he could write his religious documents he could write the the prophecy 
Right. He could write what's going to happen in the afterlife because the world's coming to an end. Right. And David Koresh is the only man that can save it. Right. Okay. <laughs> what are you thinking? What are you thinking right now? Uh, Koresh? Are you, about anything? Are you bored? Uh, are you no, thinking? I'm not bored. It's just. Uh, what wow. do you think about how, Koresh? How can you manipulate? This has got to be the devil personified. Like he's a smooth talker. Yeah, he's done talk to all the women out of their panties, right? Including children. And, oh boy. Yeah, he's a sick fuck. So, but he. The main thing to remember here, though, is that he's maintaining contact with right, the task. Right. I, I don't even know what to call. It. I'm just gonna start referring to it as the task force, right? Because there's. There's, ATF, you know, you there, the there's FBI, federal agents yeah, there. There's law, National Guard, local. local law. I'm going to start yeah. calling it a task force. Ta- I don't yeah, know what right, else to call it. Right. So he's maintaining contact with the task force, right? Right. Okay. But as sometimes they're on the phone with him for hours during the day, and they, and it's a delicate situation. So literally, if you're the government right now, sorry about your damn luck, but your hands are tied. Right. You're forced to listen to him. And hours go on, and it's just Bible babble. Just babbling <laughs> randomly about nothing. A lot of religious talk. Uh, I'm not saying... Right. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying God is nothing and religion is nothing. But you know what I'm talking about. It's it's Bible babble. And they're getting pissed. Right. They're getting more antsy. So, you know, we're... You know, this is a 51-day standoff. We're a couple weeks into this thing. Uh... The F and, and the FBI and the ATF and the rest of the task force split into two sections. Right. There's half the task force that believes that negotiation is the answer, stay the course, we'll get through. And there's the other half of the invest it's the task in, force yeah. is like, let's go in yeah. and uh, if we drop a body, we drop a right, body. But right. we're getting this out of here. Right. We're tired of it. We're no. tired of it. If we have a couple casualties Innocent bystanders, right. I'm sorry, but right. let's cloud damage. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, or I shouldn't say, thankfully, the uh, the peace side wins out for now. Right. Uh, what time of year is this? I want. So this this is this is March. March. So we're in March, okay. April, night. So it's springtime. It's springtime. Yeah. It's Texas. It's the South. So it's still kind of like late late yeah. winter, early spring. It's not too cold. Right. So it's in the South. But so the peace the peace agreement wins out. We're gonna stay the course, but we're gonna we're gonna turn up the heat a little okay. bit. Okay. So they start a sleep deprivation technique at nighttime. All night broadcasts of recordings of jet planes, loud, annoying, poppy <laughs> music, Christmas music. Uh-huh. Everybody will surrender Christmas music 24-7 in the spring, except for the Branch Davidians, apparently. Buddhist monk chanting. Uh, Screams of rabbits being slaughtered. Okay. Now, wait a minute. This goes on at night, okay? (laughs) Nothing happens. Okay? They start setting up these huge monstrosity-generated powered lamps where you can see for miles and they beam them in like several fucking locations of the right, compound. Right, okay. Okay? Blast okay. them at night. Still don't work. Nobody's coming out. Outside, the United States military and the National Guard decide we're going to bring down nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the uh, Bradley military fighting vehicles. 
carrying tear gas. Oh boy. Ferret rounds. They bring down five CVs, combat engineering vehicles, and they start patrolling the compound. The armored vehicles, while they're there patrolling the compound, Koresh is still a guy, right? right. Still right. a man, right? right? Man, fully functioned dick, still a guy. <laughs> Men like cars. Yeah. Don't matter who you are. Right. You touch a man's hot rod. Yeah. Koresh has got several valuable hot rods outside. A couple classic cars. Right. These military vehicles attempting to get him come out, destroy the interior the, the exterior walls and fencing around the compound. They destroy him right in front, broad daylight. Okay. They smash up his convertible cars, his collectible hot rods. Guess what? He Not a peep. Out. He don't yeah. come out. So now they're pissed. Right. Like they're throwing their like they're throwing 101 mile an hour right down the middle, right down the pitch. And, and he's not, he don't even swing. He's he just biting, he's just yeah. standing in the batter's box just looking. Like he don't care. So those, they they yeah. throw like a slow off speed pitch just to get an easy bump. He just stands there in the batter's box looking. Like, that's, hey, what's up? That's kind of over too, isn't it? But you gotta admire this son of a bitch, right? Well, like yeah, he's, he's hanging in there. But uh like like a hair in a biscuit, but uh, a hair in a biscuit, like a dingleberry in the butt crack, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're the only nation in the yeah. world that wipes our ass with, with trees. With trees. Yeah, interesting, folks. Hey, Jesse, what are you doing, <laughs> Jesse? I'm making peas and poops. You're peas and poops, Jesse. I'm looking at Kyle. He just gave me this weird look. Kyle, you you want like a little popsicles? <laughs> Hey, Kyle. All right, weirdos. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, continue or uh, pay a bill? Plug, plug somebody. Okay. How's that cool? Yeah. All right. So, now here's where they decide, okay, maybe we're looking at this the wrong way. Maybe we need to turn up the heat a little more. They take the armored military vehicles and they start, and this is, dis- I shouldn't laugh because this is disrespectful as fuck. This is completely 100% disrespectful as fuck, and I shouldn't laugh, but I'm laughing at the lengths that the, the to, U.S. Right. government's going to. <clears throat> they take these armored, these heavy armored military vehicles, they run over the graves of the dead Branch Davidians and whip donuts with these vehicles. No. Oh yeah, this 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 is your not this is my government, no. this is your government. They're whipping fucking donuts. Dude. With these heavy military vehicles across the graves USA. of branch divisions. Like I shouldn't laugh, because that's disrespectful uh, that's, as fuck. Like that's some uh that guy that that's gonna get somebody to come out of this compound, right? You think yeah. Right? Right. Nobody comes out. Huh. I think they're dead already. So, all right, maybe we need to look at survival means. They take two of their three huge water storage tanks on the roof of the building. They damage them. Leak the water out. Leak the water out. They leave them with one tank. Oh, thanks, guys. Okay. They go in and they they go in and they steal their fifty-five gallon drum barrels of rainwater and stuff. (laughs) And it, not a peep. Not a peep. 
I'd like to see the map of this place or something. You <laughs> I'm know? gonna I'm gonna pull it up later. You the, the compound? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I should have printed you a map. I didn't bother to print you any notes. But okay, so this isn't good enough. So now they're like, fuck it. So we're still not to the day they go in for the, the massacre. Right, right. But they're getting pissed. So now hardball. We've taken their water. They don't have a whole lot of water left. We left them, you know, because there's children. Right. There's children. That's why there's one water tank left. Oh, That's why there's only a few barrels of rainwater left. They don't take them all. You know what? They're going to survive on rainwater, whatnot, MREs, stockpiled canned food they got. Right. But they decide to up the ante a little bit. They start cutting off all the all the power to the compound. Okay. Which they probably should have done from day one. Right. But they let it go for a while. Criticism later on at the outset of would would talk about the, these tactics used uh, against the Branch Davidians with some people saying that uh, how smart is it that they have a guy who's mentally unstable to begin with and they try to drive him crazy and then when he got upset they got mad because he's being irrational. <laughs> so everybody needs a timeout. Everybody. Everybody needs a timeout. Time out, guys. We need yeah, a timeout. We need a timeout too. Let's yeah. uh we need a we need a pee break and everything. Let's let's pay a bill and uh, yeah, we'll pause and take a break. So if you guys are enjoying this Ruby or this uh, Waco episode, please check our Ruby Ridge Chronicles episode in our archives. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh check out Main Street Designs LLC in Jasper, Indiana. It's a small family-owned business that specializes in laser engraving and direct garment printing. They can do vinyl decals for you, baby blankets, uh, designs for your tumbler cups, designs for your vehicles, personalized items for you or your business. These guys do tremendous work. Pretty uh, impressive. That, yeah, I've showed Kurt. Uh, these guys have offered time and time again uh, to make us a logo, which I'm proud of the little Photoshop editor logo I made for me and Kurt. But eventually, if we, you know, ever explode, uh, we'll uh, get a yeah, that's we'll get we eat we'll, bites, probably we'll get <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a logo made. But guys, please check out Main Street Designs LLC. Give them a phone call at 812-661-7765. Again, that's 812-661-7765. Main Street Designs LLC in Jasper. All right, brother. I'm thinking you want to take about a five-minute break? Yeah. They'll never know we're gone. Right. All right. They never even know we were gone. Nope. 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 You did. Nighttime garden. Nighttime garden. Water the garden. Me and Kyle shot hoops, and I am sitting here next to the legend, <coughs> Kurt Kroon <laughs> Kelly. You sure bet. Kroon. Sure bet. Kroon. Sure bet. Sure bet. Okay. So picking back up. So... Despite the ever-growing aggressive tactics by the task force, Koresh orders a group of his followers to leave the compound. Eleven people were sent out of the compound and then immediately (coughs) arrested as material witnesses, with one person being charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Okay. Okay. What was alarming to the task force is the number of children who were still inside and their willingness to stay with Koresh disturbed the negotiators who were unprepared to work around the Branch Davidians' religious cult. Cult. First time that word was used. Cult. Cult. But as the siege would go on, 
what we'd come to find out is the children were aware that an earlier group of children who had left with some women were immediately separated and the women were arrested. So okay. maybe the government, even though they're claiming to be caring for these children, yeah. maybe they're really not. What's any, going on? Yeah, okay, right, right, right. So now during the, the this 51-day siege, several scholars, we'll call them, I guess, who studied uh, apocalypse uh, and like apocalyptism, okay. the word of the day. Apocalyptism. Apocalyptism in religious groups. I thought Swindler was. Yeah. <laughs> Swindler was the day. Yeah. We've got yeah, two, word of, two the days. word of the days. Uh, they would attempt to uh, persuade the FBI that and the task force that the siege tactics being used by the American government would only reinforce the impression within the Branch Davidians that they were part of a biblical end-of-times confrontation. Uh, yeah. Hello. And now that, uh. this, that just makes everything come. Yeah. Okay? So the scholars would continue to point out to the Joint Task Force that this is only going to increase every hour with the chances of a very violent, very deadly right. outcome. Okay? The scholars also pointed out that the beliefs of the group may have appeared to be extreme, but to the Branch Davidians, their religious beliefs were just simply deep and meaningful. But yet they would die for Koresh and their beliefs. Okay, well that says to me, cult. Alright, so Koresh's discussions with the team would become increasingly difficult in the later weeks. He proclaimed finally within one of the last week or two of the siege that he was the second coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> And he had been commanded by his Father in Heaven to remain in the compound uh -huh. under any and all circumstances. Uh -huh. One week before the assault, the task force planned on using snipers to kill Koresh and possibly other key Branch Davidians. Really? However, once again, this task force made up of the ATF, the FBI, Texas National Guard, federal government, local. other local and state right. officials, were still split pretty 50-50 okay. with peaceful negotiations stay the course and the right. other half was Katie bar the door let's get them okay the FBI however were the ones to voice concern that the Branch Davidians could commit a mass suicide which is what happened in 1978 you were an right. 8 year old boy yeah, 6 yeah. 7 year old boy Jim Jones yeah, drank yeah. the Kool-Aid Jonestown yeah. Koresh repeatedly denied any plans for a mass suicide when confronted by negotiators and said that people would be leaving the compound soon. And that brings us up to go time. April showtime. Show go time. <clears throat> April 19th, 1993. A day that lives in American history infamy. So, the, uh, the lovely reigning and defending water buffalo, U.S. Attorney General Janet Fatass Reno, <laughs> I can say that. I'm fat. Fat people can call other fat people fat. It's in the Geneva Convention. Look it up. The water buffalo. She wasn't really that fat. She was fat. She wasn't that fat. But I'm fat. Kurt's fat. I'm we call fat. each other fat. Well, fat. I'm just saying, nobody like Janet Reno. Fat. PH. <laughs> You're PH fat. You know what? No, not a laugh. I'm, that's very good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to applaud you on that. Yeah. We need a little happiness in this yes. sorrow, somber podcast. The water buffalo. I need to stop. I'm being. I'm not being fair. Newly appointed U.S. Attorney General Janet Reno. Hag. Hag. 
yeah. would approve recommendations by the FBI HRT team, the same HRT team that was infamous in the murders at Ruby Ridge. Huh. She approved them to mount an assault <laughs> after being told that the conditions were deteriorating and the children were being abused inside oh, the compound. The children, yes. Reno then made the FBI's case to Brett President Bill Clinton, recalling, <laughs> taking a step forward here, recalling um, that April 19, 1985, the covenant, the sword, and the arm of the Lord siege in Arkansas, which was ended without a loss of life by a blockade without a deadline. Clinton was involved in that. That's a historical thing. Right. Clinton suggested using similar tactics that left with no injuries, no deaths. Right. Uh, the FBI shot that down. Right. Janet Reno countered to him that the HRT team was tired of waiting. The standoff was costing the United States government a 51-day standoff in 1993 Would cost the, was estimated uh, at uh, costing uh, the United States federal government over one million dollars per week holy crap they need to use coupons or something one million dollars a week and that the branch divisions could hold out longer than what the task force could oh, and, the, and, and hang on and the chances of child sexual abuse and mass suicide well, were growing imminent as the days yeah, progressed they all had itchy trigger fingers okay i just tapped the mic and said that itchy hot take hot take yeah. President Clinton would later recount, finally I told her if she thought it was the right thing to do, she could go ahead and do it. Now, I want to point something out. You want a hot fucking take? Yeah. Here's a hot fucking take. Yeah. You know what they're not mentioning in all this? Okay. There's it. no itchy trigger fingers. The Branch Davidians can't hold out. Well, actually, they, they probably could have held out yeah, longer. Yeah. I mean, they were well stocked. <laughs> right. They were taking away their water and food, leaving them bare to sit. No. Th- you know what this was? This is 1993. Right. There's no internet right but it's radio and tv right national global the media media. and how does this look that the united states government is in day 51 of a standoff in their own home on their own country yeah they're looking like asses like these little people locked in this little compound in north central texas northwest texas whatever they're being made asses of because they they haven't they went in and got this guy. Like, well, why haven't they went they're, in and got this guy? Be, why haven't they went in and yeah. got that guy? Because not even a year before, in August of 1992, in a little town this? 50 miles from the Canadian fucking border called Naples, Idaho, where Ruby Ridge was, right. the FBI executed yes. a 14-year-old yes. boy, a mother holding right. her baby. The mother was shot yeah. in the head while she held an infant child. And the daughter of Randy Weaver had to make a diving catch while bullets were firing to catch her infant sister yeah. from being dropped and splattered on the fucking front porch because they shot Vicky Weaver in the fucking head cold as blood. soon as she opened the door in cold, cold blood. blood. Yeah, and that's that's fact, yeah. So, so that's why they didn't go in and get him. Yeah, but what it is is there. Okay, Ruby Ridge is not even a year prior. Right. August. We're in. We're in fucking. April, April, April. Right. So we're eight, nine months past Ruby Ridge. Right. They're being made look like asses. They're being made fun of. People are laughing. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? We're the goddamn United States government. Yeah. Fuck these motherfuckers. Yeah. We're going in after them. So before we get there, over the next several months following. The massacre at Waco, Janet Reno's reason for approving the final gassing and attack measures that took place 
at the Mount Carmel compound stood from her claim that the F the FBI hostage rescue team told her that Koresh was sexually abusing children and beating babies as young as four years old. The FBI hostage team later denied evidence of child abuse during the standoff. But to to Reno, uh, the team was on the way to either help Koresh or attack him. Oh, excuse me, I, I skipped ahead. I read this right here. Uh, there was an unorganized militia of the United States was on its way to Waco, which if you look in the if you look okay, there was claims that prior to a, a, an an organized militia, just several armed civilians okay were on their way to Waco to either help Koresh or attack him. Now, if you look at some of the 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 footage from 1993 across spread out across the internet and articles. There was a lot of armed civilians along the roads, down right. the streets, watching the compound right. that's set, right. you know, hundreds of feet, right. a couple miles away, because you can see pretty flat right. through right. there. Uh, so, uh, here we go. All right. Let me take a drink of water here. And, uh,. Might, might want to hike your panties up because we're, we're about to get into it here. Hike my panties up. That's better than pull it down, I guess. Well, <laughs> after this went down, the United States government got their panties pulled down yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Uh, April 19, 1993. The Branch Davidians were heavily armed. We've established right. this. The FBI's HRT team, uh, they had 50 cal guns. Uh, they have combat engineering vehicles. Their CVs use explosive to punch holes into the outer walls of some of the compound buildings. They did this so they could pump tear gas into the building to try to force the Davidians to come out without harming them. Uh, uh, later, yeah, yeah, okay. No, hang on, hang on. Let me, just roll with me, kid. Uh, all right. The stated plan called for increasing amounts of gas to be pumped in over two days to increase pressure. Officially, no armed assault was to be made. Loudspeakers were then set up and used to tell the Davidians that there would be no armed assault to just peacefully come out, and and they asked them not to fire upon the CAVs. According to the task force, agents have been permitted to return any incoming fire, but there no shots were to be fired by federal agents on April 19th. Okay. Okay. Well, here here it comes. Koresh is Koresh is. Dave, you know, David Koresh has been the most honest guy. He's took care of us. He's warned us about this was coming. And yep. if this is the end, we're going out in a blaze of glory. Multiple groups of Branch Davidians opened fire on the HRT. The HRT's response was to just increase the amount of gas. They were not returning right. fire, right. which they, they could have. <laughs> they delivered... Um, Oh, a shit ton of grenade fire from uh, grenade launchers. Very early that morning, the HRT team fired uh, M651 heavy military rounds into uh, construction areas of the compound where ongoing construction had been started, you know. Uh, They began to run low after a while on some of the 40-millimeter ferret rounds. And they asked the Texas Rangers for more tear gas rounds. 
Uh, they then would continue to pump it. They were pumping in an ungodly amount of tear gas. I mean, holy crap. When I, when I say this, like they were pumping in enough tear gas, they probably could have choked out like, I don't know, so many hundreds of square miles. Like it was, I like to know how much money they wasted right. just on right. tear gas rounds, right? Uh, they were doing flashbang grenades, Ooh. pyrotechnics, uh, illumination flares. This went on for like six hours this morning. And for six hours, no single Branch Davidian exited the compound. <laughs> okay. I-, I want you to think about this. They took these combat vehicles. Right. They drove into the building, knocked right. certain parts down. Right. Branch Davidians who survived this encounter would say in later years, some of them were sitting there having breakfast, just waking up wee hours in the morning, and they see a goddamn tank oh driving boy. through their living room. Oh, boy. Okay? So they do all this. They're putting flashbang grenades in there, shooting rocket launchers right. in there, tear gas. Nobody's coming out of the compound. Right. Like, how how committed... That's pretty committed, to your belief, Like, how much <coughs> did Koresh brainwash you? Uh, okay? But... And this goes on for six hours. What we would later come to find out in the aftermath and the rubble and, and weeks prior that the Davidians had a huge underground concrete bunker. And many of them had taken shelter in the concrete bunker or were walking around wearing gas masks. Uh-huh. So, okay. one, which again, I, we will not ever advocate for any single thing Koresh did, especially with the statutory rape right. and impregnation of over a dozen teenage girls as young as 12 but he was smart they were prepared for something yeah when he took control he was able to hunker down there that's pretty right impressive really right so um but the government some of the tactics they use no, is, and we're oh and it's only God. it's only gonna get better as we go on so this is all <laughs> going for six hours and finally around noon that day, April 19th, three fires almost at the same time, according to helicopter footage of the blaze and news footage of the blaze and radio wave, three fires all of a sudden just kind of broke out all at the same time at the compound. Huh. Just almost like snap your fingers, fire, huh. fire, fire. Huh. The plot. So, in the years that followed, the United States government maintained the fires were deliberately set by the Branch Davidians. However, multiple Branch Davidian survivors maintained that the fires were accidentally or deliberately started by the government's assault. Hmm. Huh. Alright. Let that digest now. Only nine people left the building during the fire. Okay. The remaining Branch Davidians, including 25 children, maybe a little more, were either buried alive by the rubble, suffocated from the smoke and fumes, or shot to death. Many more were killed by smoke and carbon monoxide inhalation, or others caused as fire engulfment of the building. According to the task force, David Koresh's top aide, Sneef Schneider, 
shot and killed Koresh before killing himself, per Koresh's wishes. Because you know this guy was never going to go to jail. Right. Right. So he had his top aide execute him, and then his, the top aide committed suicide. In all, 76 people died on April 19th, 1993. A large concentration of bodies, weapons, ammunition, bomb-making accessories, and all sorts of things had been found in the bunker of the storage room. The Texas Rangers arson investigator report assumed that many, many of the occupants were either denied escape from within by Koresh or refused to leave until escape was not an option. So the school of thought is that, you know, these guys are, some of them want to leave. Koresh right. said, no, right. we're going out as a family. Others decided, oh, shit, fire. I'm really not dying for this. They wanted to go, but then fire's ravaging through. And they won't make it. And nobody's going anywhere. So reports later came out afterwards that structural debris from the breaching operations on the west end of the building could have blocked a possible escape route through what they later found was an underground tunnel system underneath Mount Carmel. An independent investigation was later done a couple uh, a few months, maybe a year after, from two experts from the University of Maryland's Department of Fire Protection concluded that the compound residents had sufficient time to escape the fire if they so desired. So now you've got conflicting reports. Well, they're all tear gassed up. Smoked out. Right. How could they escape? It only gets better. You want more? Yeah. Let me, let me hit this nice blueberry vape here. You smell that when I let it go? What? Can you smell that? <laughs> that don't sound right at all. <laughs> what the heck? Well, we did have Taco Bell earlier. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, did, I didn't let it go out of that. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you smell that blueberry in there? No. I didn't smell it, no. The wind's blowing this way. So, you know, I, you, I, well, I you got that in. Dust me, no. I got that in Florida, and uh, I went into the gas station because I had bought this one. This one I got at the gas station too, but it's a rechargeable one. Okay. You know, like Asher's right. vapes, yeah. rechargeable, but his is fancy. This is just a gas station rechargeable. Well, I wanted something for a souvenir when I got to Florida, and. Uh. Uh, I was like, you got any disposable vapes? And she's like, yeah. And I look, and there's like 40 of them on this wall. And then I'm like, uh, I don't know anything, but just pick me one. And then I got it, and I'm like, wait, this is Florida. And I turn back, I'm like, does this have uh She goes, any hoo-doo-doo-doo in it? I said, what? She goes, any hoo-doo-doo-doo? Hoo-doo-doo-doo? Yeah, I don't smoke hoo-doo-doo-doo. I said, I don't want any hoo-doo-doo. She goes, oh, honey, everybody loves hoo-doo-doo-doo. <laughs> I'm like, this is really weird. Yeah, Florida's a really weird correct. place. Who do do do? Who do do do? Have you ever heard Sticky Icky called Who do do do? No. Who do do do? To me, Who do 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 would be more like Crystal, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. Who do do do? Who do do do? Away from the Who do do do, back to Waco. Let's go. Let's let's continue in our time travel to 1993 here. Autopsies were then done on some of the women and children found beneath a fallen concrete wall of a storage room had died of skull injuries. Oh. Autopsy photographs of other children locked in what appeared to be uh, spasmic death poses are consistent with cyanide poisoning. 
which is a direct result of a significant, overly significant amount of tear gas. So there's innocent children. Uh, The United States Department of Justice would issue a report following the events at Waco indicated that only one body had traces of uh, one of uh, tear gas in it, but that the gas insertions had finished nearly one hour before the fire started, and that was enough time for the solvents to dissipate from the bodies of the Branch Davidians. Autopsy records also indicate that at least 20 of the Branch Davidians were shot, including Koresh, as well as five children under the age of 14 were executed by gunshots, which... Obviously, to every, the best of everyone's knowledge, it would appear the executions came from the Davidians themselves. Some medical examiners believe that these were mercy killings trapped in a fire with no escape. The Davidians were not going to let children burn to death, so they executed them. This is a very delicate, very messy situation, right? Uh, wow, I can't imagine the scene. The experts have said, long said, that the gunshot victims, the adults and children, it was suicide or mercy killings, which is the same fucking thing. Right. So, I put something in here for you, because, I mean, I know this was going to be a big topic for us, but it's one we've always talked about doing. And if you want, I can skip this and continue, or I can go through this. I have a complete uh, breakdown of this day by when these events all happen. I mean, so I can either skip it, but it, it's like this happened at this time, this happened at this time. It's a breakdown, kind of detailing. Play by play. A pl- hey. Yeah, yeah. A play by play. Play by play. So, Where do you, you want the recap or do you want to play by play? How important do you think this is? I say roll it. You want to play by play? Yeah, roll it. Okay. So, this assault, the. This was a 51-day standoff and siege. This was the final day. At 5.50 in the morning, agents set up the loudspeakers, called out to the Branch Davidians, warning them that they were going to begin to administer tear gas, take out, and tanks were going to be coming in, and they advised them to either escape now or take cover. Agents say a Branch Davidian answered the phone and instead threw the phone out, said, fuck you, and <laughs> essentially pulled the gate shut and locked. Right. It was not Koresh who done this, right. although the implication <laughs> being Koresh sent this guy right. out. Right. So this emphatically set in motion that these guys are going to die for what's going right. to for for what they believe in. So it's full on. I can finally say it because I love this expression. It's full on. Katie bar the fucking door. Yeah, yeah. Lock and loaded, let's go. Five minutes later, 5.50 a.m., two armored CVs go into the building. CV1 goes to the left building, CV2 goes to the right. Six o'clock in the morning, FBI surveillance tape from devices planted in the wall of the building record a man inside the compound running around saying, everybody wake up, let's start to pray. And then they can hear an unannounced, undescribed male go, Pablo, have you poured it yet? Have you poured it yet? Down the hallway. Have you poured it? Poured what, Kurt? Uh, gasoline. I don't know. It's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Maybe. Five minutes later, 6.05, an armored vehicle with a ram and delivery d- device to pump tear gas into the building 
rips into the front wall just left of the door, leaving a huge 8 by 10 foot hole. Huh. Agents claim the holes allowed insertion of the gas as well as a means of escape for any Davidian wanting to get out. But also on this camcorder at the time, you can see gunshots coming from inside the compound towards a CV. And let, let's... Can I, can I just say well, for a minute? Can I just say something? Yeah. Okay. There's teetotalers in there with Koresh that's willing to die. Right. They're going to fire. Right. You're fighting on a fucking armored military vehicle. <laughs> It's not going to do shit with regular gunfire. Right. Right. Now, this guy's just literally taking like a 38 special, just an armored fucking tank. Like, really? What sense does that make? Uh, it don't make no sense, really, no. But. Uh, okay. Continue. The whole thing is just. And it, it just gets better. Yeah. Going on with the play by play here 6 10 a.m. FBI surveillance tapes pick up recording saying, don't pour it all. We might need some later. Throw the tear gas back out. Don't pour it all. Another voice from an unidentified male comes in. Is it time for people to leave yet? No, they're not leaving. Nobody is leaving. Okay. 6.12 a.m. FBI surveillance tapes pick up several Davidians saying they're going to kill us. They And another identified voice says, not if we kill them first. So... Koresh is, at this point, through all these tapes of pickup, Koresh is nowhere to be found. Which makes you wonder, is he cowering in fear? Because on the initial raid two months prior, he's on the front line. I mean, he he come away with a bullet, with a a belly full of lead, right? Right. He's probably recovering yet. So, uh, by 6.30, the entire building has been gassed with tear gas. Uh, by 10 till 7 in the morning they start firing plastic tear gas rounds through the windows of the compound. Start pumping it up. 7.23 a.m. FBI surveillance tapes record a male branch of eating saying the fuel has to go all around to get started. Where a second male says, well there are two cans here if that's poured soon. 7.30, CV-1 is redeployed to breach the building again in another area inserting tear gas. The Davidians fire handgun ammunition rounds at the CV-1. Okay? That was slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 10 till 8, FBI tapes of agents recorded during the siege. And uh, HRT member requests permission to fire military-style tear gas shells to break through an underground concrete bunker. Okay. He receives permission and fires more than two rounds into the bunker. At 7.58 a.m., CV-2 with a battering ram rips a hole into the second floor of the compound. Uh, minutes later, another hole is punched into rear one of the buildings. The vehicle withdraws, and three military tear gas rounds are shot at the concrete bunker. Uh, away downwind from the main corners, trying to penetrate the structure. They bounce off. All the while, they're continuing to pump as much fucking tear gas as humanly possible uh, into this bunker. Okay. Uh, at 9 a.m., the Branch Invidians unfurl a banner that reads, We want our phone fixed. Huh. Which I think... Somebody's wanting to con. I mean, obviously, right. they're wanting to talk to somebody right. about what, who knows. Probably say, hey, can you quit fucking poisoning us in yeah, here? Yeah, no shit. 
9.13 a.m., another one of the CVs break through the front door to deliver more gas, right in through their living room. Well. Uh, dang it. 10 o'clock, a man is seen waving a white flag on the southeast of the compound. He is advised over the loudspeakers that if he is surrendering, he should come out. He does not come out. At the same time, a man believed to be Schneider comes out the front door, retrieves the phone and phone line, and pulls it back into the building. Okay. So Schneider is Koresh's top aide. Okay. We talked about that. So yeah. they're 1130, 11.30 in the morning. I shouldn't laugh. This whole thing is just clusterfuck. At 11.30 a.m., the CEV2 has mechanical difficulties. Uh-oh. It's damaged one of the tracks. Uh-oh. Okay. Its replacement breaches through the backside of the compound while this one's down, literally sitting there Uh-oh. in harm's way. <clears throat> so if there's ever a time, I don't know how you're going right. to take out an armored tank, a grenade right. maybe, or because they've got bomb-making yeah. capabilities yeah. there in the compound. We found this out. Uh, somewhere uh, between 11.20 and 12.05, according to the United States government, a series of remarks is picked up over the surveillance tapes saying, I want a fire, keep that fire going, and do you think I should light this soon? Indicate, or so it appears, that the Branch Davidians have started setting fire to the complex probably around 1130. Uh, surviving Branch Davidians testified that Coleman fuel had been poured and fire exports in the United States Federal Report 1999 agree without question that people inside the complex had started multiple accelerated fires. Um, at 12.03 VM, or at 11.45, a wall on the right side of the, of the compound collapses. Okay. Okay. 12.05, a armored vehicle knocks away the first floor corner of the right side. Shit's falling down. And then at 12.07 p.m., the first visible flames appear in spots in the front of the building. And then a third spot on the back side. And it literally looks like somebody flipped a switch and all of a sudden, three fires are going. Huh. So I wonder what started. We'll get to that. At 12.10, Branch Davidian Ruth Riddle exits with a floppy disk in her hand and walks towards... The task force. Nice, nice move, Eric, with the floppy disk. The floppy you mean, disk. You could uh, that could have been butchered pretty bad right there. You know, people would be thinking, "What floppy, floppy disk?" <laughs> you see where I'm going with that? Uh, wait I'm serious. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll give it to you. You earned it. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. The floppy disk. Disc. In her hand. <clears throat> Disc. Yeah, nice job. That's right. What and by the way, technology, it? when it's a compact CD-ROM disc, which didn't exist in 93, it's spelled D-I-S-C. But in early computers, it's a floppy disc Dick. spelled D-I-S-K, okay. not D-I-C-K. That is true, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. On this floppy disc is David Koresh's manuscript on the seventh seals. Oh. A bunch of biblical babble, as the task force put okay. it. Uh, by 1210, flames are spreading quickly through the buildings. By the way, the wind report for Waco, Texas, on April 19th, 1993, they had very high winds that day. It was a very windy day. Huh. So fire's going. 
is only going to fan them flames. And they control the weather. And spread uh, them higher. Huh. 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 So the buildings are burning quicker. At 12.12 p.m., an emergency call is placed regarding the fire. Waco Fire Department trucks are dispatched. Shortly thereafter, two more fire departments respond. Waco Fire Trucks arrive at the checkpoint where they are halted. They're not allowed to pass until after 12.30. So they're sitting there waiting for like 10 or 15 minutes. Don't know if it makes a difference. 12.25 p.m., there is a huge explosion on the left side of the compound. One object hurtles into the air, bounces off the top of a bus, lands on the grass. 12.30, part of the roof collapses. Around this time, there are several further explosions, and witnesses can report hearing the sound of rapid gunfire and a lot of single shots minutes apart, almost like execution-style shots. Uh, 12.43, the fire department, according to the logs, the trucks arrive at the compound. By 12.55, the fire begins to burn out. And by 1 o'clock p.m., the entire compound is leveled. Damn. And then at 5.45 p.m. Eastern, or excuse me, 3.45 p.m., an hour and 40, two hours and 45 minutes after the buildings are leveled, law enforcement states David Koresh is pronounced dead. Okay. Now. That was very exciting play-by-play. It was. Good job, the play-by-play. Hey, I appreciate that. Yes. I'm, I'm, you seem generally interested in yeah. this episode. Yeah, yeah. You got something you want to say? It's right there on tip of no, your tongue. No, no. Continue. I'm kind of curious. What? what what's going to happen now? What? what who killed Crash? Or you know, did he kill himself? Or I don't know where that's at in here. Let's see. Like I said, I could do Ruby Ridge with my eyes what? closed. This one, I need a little bit more notes on because of how big this is. So, uh. So, kind of how we're going to finish out this episode in the notes is we're going to be doing a lot of jumping around. Okay. Forward, backward. Right. Exercise. You know, exercise. Right. We all can use uh, some of that. Janet Reno could, too. Yeah, she had a big butt. I could. I'm, we're going to get banned by everybody here. <laughs> That's all right. We'll ban them, too. Dude, you ought to see. I drink water by the gallon now. That's good. I've been drinking a shitload of water since... I miss you, dude. Hey, but you're, you're drinking water from a bottle, huh? I mean, I'll drink tap water if it's super cold, but I prefer bottled water. Wait, wait, we trying? Well, we uh, insinuating there? How much did you give for that? That bottle of water there? Yeah. You don't want to know. I don't want to know. Because <laughs> that's the good stuff. That ain't no cheap fucking Aquafina. <laughs> or Dasani. What are you doing over there? Me? Yeah, you're doing some I like. You that. I thought we were gonna talk, but I guess you're you've been gone. No, I haven't. I was gone for five minutes. You was gone for an hour and five minutes. Huh? A 1995 government accountability office report on the use of force by federal law enforcement agencies observed that on the basis of the reports of Waco, tactical operations expert and ATF's own personnel, the ATF would decide in October '95 that dynamic entry would only be planned and all other options had been considered and adjusted after it happened. So literally, basically what that means is they literally went in to just knock out two walls sure and bet. let go like one, just let go a couple rounds of uh, tear gas and uh, 
that change. Well, here's the thing, okay? That change, so they start ramping up tear gas. Or maybe it was because they were getting fired upon. These are guys firing upon them with handguns and fully automatic, but they're in armored fucking right, vehicles. Right. Like, right. It'd be a very, very small change. What's an AK-47 round going to do to an armored tank? Well, ain't there a little slit they got to look through on the dryer? I mean, God. They, they, well, if they got a Robin Hood shot in here. Got him. Uh, got him. Would you like to know today, right now in 2022, what the Waco, the Mount Carmel compound is? Yeah. Nothing remains of the buildings to date other than two concrete foundation components. The entire site was bulldozed two weeks after the end of the siege. Two weeks. It was merely bulldozed. <coughs> I don't know what kind of evidence you could still gather what you I'm needed, sure but it's could uh, something there. I mean, pretty interesting. There. The only thing that stands on the site today is a small chapel that was built years after the siege and like a memorial plaque. I wonder if there's any weird things that go on there. Huh? You got you got any X Files music? You <laughs> how'd the X Files theme go? <laughs> I'm looking at Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Kyle was watching Adam Sandler a minute ago. Sandler family reunion. Hippity boo. Man. Okay. Let so. me do it. <laughs> On August 3rd, 1993, a federal grand jury re returned a 10-count indictment against 12 surviving Branch Davidians. The grand jury charged, among other things, that the surviving Branch Davidians had conspired to and aided and abetted in the Myrtle... The Myrtle? The Myrtle? The Myrtle. The Myrtle. The Myrtle the, Myrtle the Turtle. Uh-huh. The Moida. They murder of federal officers and had unlawfully possessed and used various firearms. The government would dismiss the charges against one of the Branch Davidians according to a plea bargain. After a jury trial that lasted nearly two months, the jury acquitted four more Branch Davidians on all charges. Additionally, the jury acquitted all of the Branch Davidians on the murder-related charges, but not but convicted five of them on lesser charges, including aiding and abetting the voluntary manslaughter of federal agents. Eight Branch Davidians were convicted on firearms charge. The convicted Branch Davidians uh, received some sentences up to forty years. Yeah, and I've got their names, which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna oh, go through crap. it. The only one that the only two that I am gonna read through, and, and there's a reason, is Ruby Ritt, is uh, Ruth Riddle. She was convicted of using or carrying a firearm during a crime. She was a Canadian national. She's the one that came out. With the floppy disc. <laughs> nice. Disc. Wait for enunciate. Disc. Yes, very good job. Okay. Uh, of Koresh's manuscript. And the, uh, actually, I take it back. I'm going to read three. All okay. right. Uh, Kathy Schroeder, who was sentenced to three years after pleading guilty to a reduced charge of forcibly resisting arrest. She was, uh, she was just kind of batshit crazy. Uh, <laughs> And the other one is Livingstone Fagan. Fagan. Livingstone Fagan. Fagan. You know why I'm enunciating that one, don't yes. you? No, I don't. You know what this month is, don't you? No. This month is Pride Month. 
Well, good for them. Okay. Right? And I'm saying that because Fagan, if you're not careful. Yes. Okay. Where you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Okay. And I've seen videos of people talking about Waco in the past where people accidentally. We don't want to say anything. Yeah. We don't want to say it. It's Fagan. Say anything offensive on And also. House slippers and scoreboard. He's British. British, eh? Yeah. Oh. So that was in a compound. In the South, in Texas, right. where every, everybody's crazy in Texas. Yeah, Texas he was convicted there. of voluntary manslaughter and using a firearm. Well, uh, so floppy disk, <laughs> floppy disk, floppy floppy disk. Yeah. Remember. In later years, when CDs were made, it was compact disc, disc. Per- spelled D-I-S-C. In early technology years, it was floppy disc, spelled D-I-S-K. Hey, disc. A, it's a slippery slope. That's know. our new joke. That's almost up there with Charlie. Lieberman. <laughs> yes. We're a bunch of idiots. Well, Are you having fun? We all have fun. You have fun. We've been wanting to do this for a while. 33 British citizens were members uh-huh. of the Branch Davidian compound during the siege. Uh-huh. I want to know pond. why uh-huh. so many British. 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 I don't understand that. Spot of tea, sir. <laughs> Spot of tea. <coughs> 24 of them were among the 80 that died in the raids on February 28th and the assault on April 19th uh, including at least one child uh, so I'm pretty much going to live there uh, another reason well actually uh, back to Livingstone Fagan right? Fagan was among those convicted in prison and see it said he received multiple beatings at the hands of correctional officers for his role against federal agents, particularly at Leavenworth Penitentiary. Huh. Leavenworth. We talked huh. about this earlier. Right. I'm pretty sure that's where Timothy McVeigh, who will play a role in this story later, was held before he was taken to Terre Haute and incarcerated. Or maybe he was already at Terre Haute. Anyways, the only other person I know for sure that was in prison in Leavenworth was uh, Michael Vick. Huh. Huh. But anyways, uh, he said that he had been doused inside his cell with cold water from not a water hose, but a pressure washer. Uh, ouch. And you know that's going to cut some skin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, an industrial fan would then be placed outside his cell, blasting him with cold air as they stripped away all his blankets and bedding and clothes. He said he was repeatedly moved between nine different uh Inmate housing facilities and prisons. And they were wanting what from him? He was strip searched every time he took exercise, including forceful cavity searches without lubrication. Yes. Hey, I'm I'm sparing no expense. You heard that right. Holy. Livingstone Fagan was strip searched, cavity searched, every time he came back from exercise without lubrication. Huh. That's getting to know your inmate really well. Well, I don't get why. They're, I don't. I don't know because the federal pick, government's dicks. What were they picking on him for? I don't know. The federal what government. Want, what did? What did know that they wanted? What information did he hold? 
what? But he 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 to this day he he ill no will. He he just prays for them. He was finally released and deported back to United Kingdom in July 2007. Huh? Where I don't know if this guy's still alive or not, but at the time he went back, he still maintained his branch Davidian beliefs. Okay. So it's still running. Crash fucked him up royally. So it's still uh, running yeah. loose out there, huh? Well. So here you go. Several of the surviving Branch Davidians, as well as more than 100 family members of those who had died or were injured, brought civil lawsuits against the United States government, numerous federal officials, the former governor of Texas, Ann Richards, and members of the Texas Army National Guard. They sought damages under the Federal Tort Claims Act, Civil Rights Statutes, RICO Act, which is the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization. Wow. You know all about RICO. RICO. Yeah. And under Texas state law. Of course, this is the United States government and we do nothing wrong. The majority of these claims were dismissed because they were insufficient as a matter of law because the plaintiffs could advance no material evidence in support of them. No material evidence. Okay. But there's a big-ass building that used to be there, and it's yeah, gone. gone. Right. No material evidence. <laughs> okay. After a month-long trial, the courts rejected the Branch Davidians' case. The court found that on February 28, 1993, the Branch Davidians initiated a gun battle when they fired at federal officers who were attempting to serve lawful warrants. ATF agents returned gunfire to the building, the court ruled, to protect themselves and other agents from death or serious bodily harm. The court found that the government's planning of the siege, the decision no, to use terror gas... Time out. Rewind, rewind it back just a little bit there. Okay. Wait, so wait, they, well, the part where they, they're allowed to return fire to save... And protect lives? themselves and other agents. Okay. Self-defense. They were fired on first yeah, well, uh, on that day in February. Okay. Okay. Uh, the decision to use tear gas against the Davidians to insert gas using military vehicles. Uh, all this uh, was a discretionary function for which the government cannot be sued. That is a product of the government. They are allowed to do that, so you can't sue them for that. The court also found that the use of the tear gas was not negligent. Furthermore, even if the United States government was negligent by causing damage to the buildings before the fires broke out, either by blocking escape routes or enabling the fires to spread faster, the negligence did not legally cause the plaintiff's injuries because it's led to believe the Branch Davidians themselves started the fire. Well, the surviving Branch Davidians and their family said, fuck you, United States of America, and they appealed. They continued to have... They contended that the trial court judge, Walter Smith, should have recused himself from the hearing claims on account of his relationships with the defendants, which is the state government, huh. the defense counsel, the court huh. staff, and everybody else. And then the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals would rule that the judge did not have to recuse himself because he would run a fair and impartial trial. Sure bet. Sure bet. Huh. Interesting uh, right there, Ed. Well, so that. I mean, I mean, we still got some more to go through. Okay. But tell me, I mean, where where's your head at right now? Are you watching this on TV in '93? No. I Are you listening to it in the news? I, I've seen it on the news, but how old was Kyle and Tyler in '93? Well, Kyle would have been three. Okay. And Tyler would have been 
got them long or what year was tyler born kyle 94 no, he, wasn't he wasn't even here no. kyle was three are you coal mining then still no i'm carpenter work now. carpenter work you're not coal mining huh. so you're not watching this live on no. the news i'm working with the amish we don't have tvs you reading the paper at night when you come home uh yeah i'll read the paper at night so you'll you'll you I might you catch a glimpse of this yeah. Yeah, but this this absolute meltdown in the aftermath—you're not really paying attention no. to. You know, hey, this building's gone and people right. died. Right. Now what's the ESPN? So Roland Ballesteros was one of the agents assigned to the ATF door team that assaulted the front door. He told Texas Rangers and the Waco police that he thought the first shots came from the ATF dog team. Uh, to neutralize the Rottweilers and pit bulls and all the vicious guard dogs that were there. But later during trial, he insisted that the Branch Davidians had opened fire on them first. The Davidians claimed that the ATF door team then opened fire at the door and they returned fire in self-defense. So it's literally a pissing contest, right, you versus right. the federal government, and who yeah. do you think is going to win? Well, yeah, yeah you can get okay. a good run for the money, but no. Uncle Sam wins. Sam. During the siege, in a phone conversation with the FBI, Steve Schneider, Koresh's top aide, told the task force that the evidence from the front door will clearly show how many bullets and what happened. Houston attorney Dick DeGuren. Dick DeGuren. Good job there again, too. Holy crap. <laughs> You're loving this, aren't you? Yeah, it's quite interesting. Here. Dick DeGuren. Dick DeGuren. All right. Dick Dick DeGuren. Okay. Oh, man. Floppy disk. You, flop, you see this text message right here? Yeah. I can't wait to read. I can't wait to talk to you about what this text message is about. Okay. Big news at the end okay. of the show. All right. You excited? Well, yeah. Curious what's going on? Yeah. We just signed a deal with Barstool Sports. They're going to pay us the podcast. Yeah. Wait. Four grand a month. We'll split it two grand a piece. We could probably make more money still working at Verse Deal. Huh. I'm fucking with you. But it is big news. All right. It is big news. Okay, so basically here they're in a pissing contest with the federal government now in the aftermath. Uh, a lot of he said, she said. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Uh, in the weeks preceding the raid, Rick Ross, not... The Rick Ross, that's a rapper that, like me and Kyle and Dole's generation know, a different Rick Ross. Who's Rick Ross? He's a rapper and producer from Florida. This is a different Rick Ross. This is a white Rick Ross. All right. I can say white, right? Uh, yeah. Well, well, I mean, literally, I'm not being, I mean, Rick uh, Ross is a color guy. He's a rapper. This is a different Rick Ross. Caucasian. Caucasian. Thank you. Uh, a cracker. Cracker. Saltine. Uncle, yeah. Saltine. Saltine. He uh, is a self-described cult expert and uh, the programmer. He's affiliated with an yeah. He, he's an affiliated with a with an outfit called the CAM, okay. the Cult Awareness Network. Uh oh. He appeared on major networks in the days and weeks and months after, such as NBC and CBS, talking about David Koresh. Ross described his role in advising authorities about the Branch Davidians and Koresh and what actions should be taken in the siege. He was quoted as saying that he was consulted by the ATF and then later contacted by the FBI, who was running the investigation, on March 4th regarding what he should do 
what can be done. The task force reports that did not rely on Ross for advice whatsoever, basically saying he's full of fucking shit. Quote. 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 The FBI reports... Oh, excuse me. I remember. <laughs> it did not interview him, but that they did receive input from him, but they did not... They weren't like, hey, what can you do to... Okay, anyways... Um, Ross stated that he let them know that they should try to turn the Davidians against Koresh by informing members of the compound about his faults and failures in life. And, I mean, he couldn't even raise this woman from the dead that they had dug up. So, I mean, obviously. Is that the sound? What is that sound? Is that crazy? No, is that the mower? I don't hear it. I don't hear it. I thought I heard the mower going. Surely not in dark. Anyways, uh... Well, yeah, they do have a light out back there, you know. I don't, they think, do. I, I don't think I hear it. So, so I mean, this is more he said, she said. Um, let me look forward to see what else we got here, son. So yeah, the, this guy's off his rockers. Uh, Ross, uh, you know, basically said Colt uh, Koresh was a dangerous cult leader. He's portrayed as a self-obsessed, egomaniacal, sociopath, and heartless. He was frequently characterized as a religious lunatic who doomed his followers to mass suicide, a vicious con man who manipulated religion for his own personal bizarre advantage. According to religious scholars, uh, the crisis needed not have ended tragically if only the FBI had been more open to religious studies and better able to distinguish between uh, what was going on. Um, here's <laughs> the government don't give a crap about that. Do they? No. Look at Luck. He went back there and hid by Dole's door. What is he doing? I don't know. I gotta go out. Do you want to trade? Uh-huh. You want to see? You want to try to take him down? Yeah. Uh, let me. Let me. Let me. And we're back again. Yes. Okay. In a New York, in, a, in an article released in the New Yorker in 2014, uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote that Arnold and Tabor told the FBI that Koresh needed to be persuaded of an alternative interpretation of the Book of Revelation. One that does not involve a very graphic and violent end. They made an audio tape, which they then played for Koresh, which seemed, according to them, to convince him of an otherwise peaceful ending. However, the task force waited only three days before beginning their assault, instead of an estimated two-week time frame for Koresh to complete a manuscript sparked by this alternative interpretation, which would probably result in a peaceful end. Uh... And of course, this this just goes to show you more and more articles would come out in the following months, weeks, and, and years, as we just seen. This article was eight years ago about how the task force, specifically the FBI, grossly mishandled the siege, stating there is no greater example of misfeasance than the failure of the FBI to bring about a bloodless resolution to the 51-day siege in Waco. Did nobody remember what happened less than a year ago in a little town 50 miles south of the Canadian border? Right. Referring to Ruby right, Ridge. Right. Uh, so more, more and more stuff will just come out. Uh, 
we got some more about Janet Reno. Um, Attorney General Janet Reno specifically directed that no pyrotechnic devices be used in the assault. Between the year of the assault, 1993, and 1999, when she appointed a a investigative force about Waco again, which this was six years after, right. uh, an FBI spokesman denied, even under oath, the use of any sort of pyrotechnic devices during the assault. However, they were found in the rubble immediately following the fire. The FBI spokesman said that they had used grenades, but that they had been used in an early morning attempt to penetrate the cover water-filled construction pits and were not fired into the building. Bullshit. Bullshit. Okay. These devices were extremely unlikely to have contributed to the fire since they were launched in different parts of the compound. Uh, whatever. Take that what you will. FBI documents were turned over to Congress for an investigation in 1994, a year later. The page listing the use of pyrotechnic devices, however, was missing and to the best of my knowledge... To this day, that particular page was never found or located, recovered. Strange. Now, ain't that some? Yeah. Huh. Would that would that lady say when I asked about vape, the hoodoo doo doo? Ain't that some hoodoo doo doo? That's some hoodoo doo doo. The the page is missing. Yeah. Okay. Sure bet. Sure bet. Uh, the failure for six years to disclose the use of pyrotechnics, you know, is uh, you know. Uh, a senior FBI official told Newsweek once upon a time that as many as 100 agents known about the use of pyrotechnics. Uh, let's see what else we got here. So, as I mentioned, the FBI had planted surveillance devices in the walls of the building all during this 51-day siege, and more uh, surveillance devices, cameras, and stuff were pushed in when they when they penetrated the building. So that there was more. Uh, it captured several conversations that the government would claim was evidence that the Branch Davidians started the fatal fire. The recordings were not the greatest, and you got to think technology in 1993 right, sucked. Right. Um, so uh, the the audio sometimes is difficult to understand. Multiple transcriptions were made of the audio that when typed up and shown on computer and printed out have many of them have different sayings right so the quality all the technology you got you I'm not giving the government a pass but i'll give everybody a pass technology in 1993 sucked right sucked ass right. so um but it's clear to some that you know there was talk about starting a fire lighting something pour it here pour right. it here that would lead you to believe yeah, yeah. uh let me see here. During a 1999 deposition for civil suits by Branch Davidian survivors, one of the survivors of the fire, Graham Craddock, was interviewed. Craddock. I was going to say Graham Cracker. Graham Craddock. Craddock. Crack Craddock. Crack Craddock. 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 Well, we have all kind of... Graham Craddock. We have all kind of funny names, pronunciation, enunciations tonight. Floppy disk. Floppy disk. I love you, dude. Floppy disk. Croon, ladies and gentlemen. Kurt, Dirty, Curdy, Croon Kelly. My co-host. This is why we never get shit done. We have too much fun. Okay. So Craddock would maintain that he saw some of the Branch of Idiots moving about 
a dozen one-gallon cans of gas so they would not be run over by the armored vehicles. Uh, he heard talk of pouring fuel outside the building, and after the fire started, he'd said he heard something that sounded like light the fire from another individual. Uh, a professor, a college professor named Kenneth Newport, wrote a book uh, about the Branch Davidians of Waco's attempts and, and whatnot. He wrote a book to prove that the Davidians started the fire themselves. It was pre-planned. He cites evidence as conversations by the FBI recorded during the siege by many of the testimonies of the survivors, including Craddock, and the buying of an ungodly amount of diesel fuel one month before the start of the siege, which would have been, you know. Right. Yeah. Huh. The FBI claims that they received contradictory reports about the possibility of Koresh's suicide and was not sure whether he would commit suicide. The evidence made them believe that there was no possibility of a mass suicide with Koresh and Schneider repeatedly denying to the negotiators that they would have plans to commit mass suicide. You got to think, this is, you know, Jim Jones and Drink the Kool-Aid, right. Jonestown. Right. Obviously, I wasn't alive for that. No, you were seven, eight years old for that. Yeah, they I didn't want much about that. They, don't, they didn't want that to happen again. Right. Koresh said that's not going to happen. Uh, people leaving the compound saying they had seen no preparations for such a thing but there was a possibility that some of his followers would join Koresh the FBI feared if he decided to commit suicide according to a report by Alan A. Stone one of the investigators or people on this fucking task whatever all the, one, of the, one of the post incident people right. whatever he said that during the siege, the FBI used an incorrect psychiatric perspective to evaluate the Branch Davidians' responses, which caused them to over-rely on Koresh's statements that they would not commit suicide. According to Stone, this incorrect evaluation would cause the FBI to not ask pertinent questions to Koresh and to the others on the compound about whether they had been planning a mass suicide. A more pertinent question, for example, would have been, what will you do if we tighten the noose around the compound in an overwhelming show of power and force you to come out? Right. Which they did. Which they did. Yeah. So, um, you know, so... Listen, I know it's a lot to digest. I'm just trying to see where I want to go here. I mean, you put me in charge of this project, Government didn't you? Overreach. Government overreach. No doubt about it. So we've talked about Oklahoma City two years later. That's a, that's a huge part of it. Uh, a time pulp. We're gonna we're gonna jump ahead for just a couple of minutes to 1999. 1999 is when this big Janet Reno's the Attorney General. She's got you know. That's when she's this this special investigation right. about Waco reopens up or whatever, and she puts that one congressman on it or whatever. Well, when this was all going on, Time Magazine released a poll on August 26 of 99 that 61 percent of the American public believe federal law enforcement officials started the fire at the complex. So this is 1999. Waco was six years prior. We're in the middle of this second or third or first or whatever. This is the Janet Reno investigation. Right. 
that I talked about way earlier in the episode that was six years after the fact. You think they started the fire? I think they did. I did too. And I want you, before I go on, I want everybody listening to understand this. Kurt, we don't talk politics on no. Steel Toes and Scoreboards, no. but I, I need a minute. I got something. Okay. You know I voted for the orange son of a bitch. And yeah. I voted for him twice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm conservative. Yeah. I'm a Republican. Yeah. In my later years, I'm still a Republican, but I'm becoming more of a of a liberal kind of Republican. I'm, I'm starting to see things the other way a little bit. Okay. Like like I've went from a far right wing uh Ronald Reagan Republican to more of a What's the left in the Republican Party? That would be more of a Richard Nixon type. Okay. Nixon was Nixon was a liberal Republican. I'll go to my grave believing that. That's my opinion. People's out there is listening like, what the fuck is this guy on? <laughs> just just bear with me. I'm going somewhere with this. I've always been a guy that's been a huge, um, which irritates Kurt, but I've been a huge uh, back the blue type guy. Support law enforcement. Just fucking comply. Do as you're asked. If you're cool with them, nine times out of ten, these motherfuckers will let you roll right. through. Just shut your mouth, comply, do whatever, be set on your merry way. But when there is gross negligence, I can't stand it. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna get pulled over tonight on the way home, and you won't hear from me for two weeks, right. and then you'll find out I've been locked up on some trumped up charge because. Right. They're probably bugging our fucking phones in my laptop right now. <laughs> I believe, in my opinion, that maybe the Branch Davidians did start the fire. If they did, they were provoked into this, and the task force knew what they were doing. What I'm saying is, it's not a cover-up, but they went into this like, we'll get these guys to start a fire, burn themselves out, and we won't even, you know, we won't catch no heat because right. it looks like they did it. But that's a far shoot because I more believe that they had a hand in this. Yes. Ain't no doubt about it. Uh, here, here's, it was 51 days. Right. Uh, not been resolved. Uh, Weird. Wieners and buttholes. And, uh, yeah, it's just too far. Okay, here, here's what I keep talking about, this this investigation. September of 99 is when Janet Reno appointed former U.S. Senator John Danforth as special counsel to investigate the matter. The main focus of the investigation was the fire at Mount Carmel. Uh, why, why would you set yourself on fire? I can think of a lot of drink, drink the Kool-Aid, folks. I mean, there's a lot of... Not less of a way to go. Is the world round or? Well, Kyrie thinks it's flat. I don't give a fuck what Kyrie. Does. No, I'm, I'm serious. Did you I know hear about that last year? That, but basically, he could just be thinking that just to basically, you know, imply make people think about there being the possibility of something else. But I love. Bayless is coming to get a couple eggs. Who? Bayless is coming to pick yeah. up a couple eggs. Yeah. Unless you've already planted them. <laughs> Who's coming? Bayless. Uh, a neighbor, neighbor up the road. Neighbor up the road. He needs him to back. Uh, oh, hey, some sort of uh, yeah. July Fourth event at the park tomorrow, and he's making some sort of dessert. So he's got to have a couple of embryos. Do I need to uh, pause this so we can 
No, no, no. I'm gonna run. Oh, you're gonna run them out? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, anyways, oh, my drink. during the course of this, they interviewed over a thousand witnesses, over almost two and a half million pages of documents. Bet you that uh, Pyrotechnics page was still missing. Oh, yeah, I bet it was too. Uh, concerning the confrontation at Waco. And on November 8th of 2000, special counsel, former Senator Danforth, concluded that the allegations were meritless and that the reports found that the fire at Waco was started by the Branch Davidians. Ah. Huh. No? Yeah. Okay, well, I want, I want to read this to you here, too. Or not read it. Try to read right. it and talk it. The special counsel concluded that the rounds did not start or contribute to the spread of the fire based on the finding that the task force fired the rounds four hours before the fire started at a concrete construction pit partially filled with water, 75 feet downwind from the main living quarters of the complex. The council continued that, by contrast, the record recorded interception of the Davidians' conversations included such statements as, David said we have to get the fuel on, so we light it first when they come in with the tank, right? Some Davidians who survived the fire acknowledge that other branch Davidians started the fire. FBI witnesses claim that the they were witnessed the Davidians pouring fuel and igniting a fire. So literally, it's a he said, she said. Okay. Okay. Jerry, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> so I mean, we, we 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 could stay on this who started the fire thing forever, but we got to we got to keep moving. Uh. Casualty. Yeah. Let me let me roll through here. The special counsel also considered whether use of active duty military at Waco violated uh, certain laws and rules of the government. These statutes generally prohibit direct military participation in law enforcement functions. Uh, huh. So there's that going on. I'm just looking to see what I, else I put in here that we don't really need. Uh, Ramsey Clark, a former U.S. Attorney General who represented several Branch Davidian survivors and relatives in a civil lawsuit, said that the report, quote, failed to address the obvious. History will clear, clearly record, I believe, that these assaults on the Mount Carmel Church Center remain the greatest domestic law enforcement tragedy in the history of the United States. Now. Yeah. Do you want... This whole episode's kind of been meat and taters. Oh, yeah. But do you want some real meat and taters? And yeah. what I mean by real meat and taters, do you want to know about some of the weaponry that was involved in this thing? I mean, I mean, uh, uh, sure. What the branch division? By had? both of them. Okay. So the February twenty eighth raid, the fe the federal government, the FBI, and the ATF, they the had task force. the task force because yes. you know there's the federal government, the ATF, right, local right, law enforcement, right, right. the the guard, Texas National Guard, Texas Rangers, all of them. There was UH-60 Black Hawk helicopters. I love that show. Yes. Chuck Norris. You know how? I just. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you have. Sidebar. Me, sidebar. You have hang on. Chuck Norris. Hey, no. My dad talked about Chuck Norris. Remember the uh, workout with the Chuck Norris Total yeah, Gym? Yeah. You remember the video yeah. at work? Me and yeah, Adam made yeah. TikTok. So he's talking about Chuck last night. We, me and my dad and his girlfriend, we were sitting at the table playing cards, and. Uh, he said something about Chuck Norris. 
He said, I could kick Chuck's ass. I said, real Chuck Norris? Or total gym Chuck Norris. He goes, real Chuck Norris. He's 82. I said, whatever. I said, Alexa, how old is Chuck Norris? He goes, Chuck Norris is 82 years old. My dad's like, I am God. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyways, they oh, had boy. three UH-60 Blackhawk helicopters. Rodcast. Rodcast. <laughs> uh, 10 Texas National Guard was counter-drug was there with the Blackhawks, blah, blah, blah. They had ballistic protection equipment. They had FR clothing. Cameras, pump action shotguns, flashbang grenades, nine millimeters MP5 machine guns, five five six baby, M16s, 308 bolt action sniper ah. rifles. Through the siege on March 1st through April 18th, the 51 day standoff, they had a whole bunch of shit. And then the day of the assault, hundreds of federal agents, military vehicles with normalized weapon systems removed. Uh, Several M3 Bradley infantry fighting vehicles, uh, CAVs armed with tear gas, uh, two M1 Abrams tanks, all sorts of shit. They had uh, surveillance aircraft, a number of Tex Texas National Guard personnel for maintenance of military vehicles, Humvees, flatbed <coughs> trucks, a whole bunch of shit. Uh, they had two members of the British Army's 22nd Special Air Force Service Regiment in observance. Oh, all, boy. all bunch of shit. Three Delta Rangers. Okay, Alabama I mean, National Guard was brought in to help. Think about this: all this equipment, everybody to be brought in to get one guy. Kind of looks that way. I mean, we now, ain't this similar to? Here we go again. Me beating my Ruby Ridge chest because I talked about it. Uh, Randy Weaver's oldest daughter. Uh, I can't. Uh, her name escapes me right now. Uh. She wrote a book. Woohoo! Free taco. Hey, that's a Locos taco, son. Those are good. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. The Cool Ranch was the best. I got rid of them. All I got is nacho. Had, no, not long ago, they had a fire. They had Cool Ranch fiery. Ah. Like a hot Cool Ranch. And it was um, oh, God. It was really good. Making me hungry, Dole. Shut up. <laughs> Making me hungry. But Randy Weaver's oldest daughter, Sarah. Sarah Weaver. Okay. She said that the day that Ruby Ridge ended, after you know the couple weeks standoff, when she came down the mountain in this little bitty field clearing at the bottom of the mountain, there was hundreds, hundreds of military armed personnel, uh, Idaho State Police, Idaho National Guard, the FBI, the ATF, U.S. Marshals, right. Marines, all sorts of weapons. She said all this for one guy. Yeah. Wow. And this is what they're doing to get. But I promised I'd deliver. Let, let's talk about what got this whole party started with these Branch Davidians, this uh, military weapons and everything they're gotten. They were very well armed, possessing over 300 total firearms. Rifles, semi-automatics, fully automatics, AK-47s, AR-15s, MP5 machine guns. Shotguns, sawed-off barrels, revolvers, semi-automatic handguns, 46 semi-automatic uh, handguns to be modified to fire in a fully ah. automatic mode. Ah. Okay. Uh, <coughs> sniper rifles, over a dozen of them. Uh, God, what all kinds of shit. They had, there were 30-round mags, 100-round mags. Pouches to carry large ammunition, fucking 
I call them the belts that you wear uh, across uh, with uh, the. I mean, uh. all this shit. Uh, 1.9 million rounds of homemade ammunition. Grenade launcher parts, grenade launchers, flare launchers, gas masks, chemical warfare suits, night vision equipment, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of practice hand grenade holes and components. Okay? Uh, More, uh, hundreds of thousands, or not hundreds of thousands, several hundred Kevlar helmets and bulletproof Uh vests. uh, Thousands, thousands of parts to build semi-automatic rifles and handguns. Over a dozen silencers. uh, Flashbang grenades from manufacturers who only sold specifically to the ATF organization itself. So... The ATF also claimed that they knew the Branch Davidians had a pair of 50 cal rifles, so they asked for Bradley armored vehicles, which were equipped to deal with 50 cal fire. <laughs> During the siege, Koresh would state that he had weapons bigger than 50 cal's fucking try me, <laughs> and that he could destroy the Bradleys M1 and the M1 tanks, so they supplemented with Abrams tanks, and uh, the Rangers recovered at least two 50 caliber weapons from the remains of the compound. <clears throat> That's it. Whether the Davidians would f- did actually fire the 50 cal rifles during the raid or not has been long well, since sounds, disputed. Sounds to me he didn't have no time to put his weapons together. He could blow them up. So he had the parts. Well, I mean, they had parts to build more. Like, they already had right. ones that were functioning right. then, but like... Well, they could have built something bigger. Uh, the FBI claims this day that they had them. Now, here, here's, uh, here's what I'm going to talk about. Let's jump forward. Timothy McVeigh... Right. Oklahoma City bombing. Right, right. Timothy McVeigh was ex-military. Timothy McVeigh cited Waco as and Ruby Ridge as some of the primary motivators for the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building, Oklahoma City bombing on April 19, 1995. April 19, two years to the day after the right. Waco siege. Uh, this attack ended with the claiming of 168 people, yeah. including 19 children under the age of six. And until September 11th was the deadliest act of terrorism on U.S. soil, and to this day remains the deadliest act of domestic terrorism. Uh, and of course, there, there's you know there's other things. Uh, you know, uh, April 19th was Waco in Oklahoma City. April 20th was uh, you know Hitler's birthday, and it was also the day after the Columbine High School shooting was in April April 20th of 99. Uh, so a lot of shit yeah. um, this this left an impact and a yeah. legacy on a lot of people uh, from the beginning of this the government's handling of Waco has long since been heavily criticized Janet Reno took responsibility for the botched rage she would later admit there was no evidence of ongoing child abuse within the compound Though the government long maintained that its actions played no role in starting the fires at Waco in a 1999 report it was revealed that some of the gas the FBI used was flammable under certain conditions. So maybe they didn't light it, but they did. Janet Reno subsequently appointed you know, Senator Danforth to lead the investigation, and like I said, in 2000 he concluded the government agents did not start a fire or shoot at the compound. During this conclusion, resentment lingered about the government's handling of the situation, which partially fueled the growth of homegrown militias in the United States. 
The Waco siege followed eight months after the horrific botched 1992 Ruby Ridge incident in Idaho and was followed two years to the day later by the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing incident, which are cited by many people around the world as gross examples of government overreach <coughs> and intrusion by federal yeah. officials. So that's the last thing that I have kind of in my notes. Uh, I pulled sources from this. I always thank our sources. All I right. pulled sources from this from uh, all over the web. Uh, news outlets, Wikipedia, YouTube videos, documentaries, books, right. just anywhere and everywhere. There, there's content out there. There is no shortage of content on right. Waco. Right. And so I'm going to kind of end that there, and now we're just going to kind of spitball on it a little bit. Uh, what are you thinking? I have to agree with the overreach thing. I mean. now, now, granted... At one point, if, if you remember, I brought this up. Koresh said, hey, you guys can come in and look at what other weapons I have. Right. They claim that never happened. People, Davidians, claim it did. Now, if you're inviting someone in to willingly see your weapons, it's either one or two things. You're either going to bring a couple guys in and execute them and then have the reign of hell brought down on you from the government, or you really are in legal possession of right. a bunch of legal right. shit right. Right. and have all the necessary paperwork filed. It wasn't illegal because it modified stuff. Well, that's true. But here's the thing. All these weapons is really what got this kicked off. One guy's report, an anonymous right, fucking right, UPS driver. Right. So I ask you, dude. Whistleblower. What was he preparing for? Did he really believe the rapture's coming? Well, I mean. Why, if the rapture's coming. The guns ain't going to do you no good. No, hang on. That's what I'm saying. If the rapture's coming and the Lord Jesus Christ himself was coming down from the heavens to take you home in a chariot to the sky-filled paradise above... What do you need? Yeah, you don't need guns. What do you need homemade bombs to make shit for? What do you need night vision goggles? What are you prepping for? There's something amiss yet. I've been a huge back the blue guy. But there there's no way you can possibly defend what happened with Oklahoma City. There's no way to defend that because that's just the guy, a government that trained him to be a killer. Right turned out to be a killer against what he believes <laughs> right, is civilians. Right. There's no way to put a happy spin on OKC. So even though it's part of the three-part government overreach series we're doing this year, I just say that because it resulted from this incident here yeah, in Ruby Ridge. Yeah. You can't spin that. But this is overreach here. Like Maybe they shouldn't have been in possession of these weapons. Koresh was raping little girls. Yeah. There was... Right. You know, he had so many wives in there. He impregnated over a dozen yeah. girls as young as 11 and 12 years old. That's just sicko, yeah. But I, what I say is... But there's innocent people that died. Innocent people that died. And you can't tell me that if they wanted to go get him... They could have got in there one, got him. One or two guys could have went in there and got him. You know, we got people that are trained. They're SWAT. There would have been a gunfight. People would have died. But eventually you would have got your man. I'm talking like they come in in the middle of the night and they swarm you. And you don't think he had people posted in the higher ups? You don't think there were snipers on guard 24-7? Somebody was on night watch duty. Well, they got that kind of... I mean, but, you know... They got them elite guys. I mean, the Delta, you know, ex-Delta guys. across the field 100 yards underneath a bush. It takes a few days across. They have to defecate themselves. 
I'm telling you, they got De- defecate. They, he they, said defecate themselves. Well, they they got them guys that are trained to do that stuff. Okay, went in and got it. Bang, bang, bang. Been done. Predator done. People say, oh boy. It's almost like they were going, you know, look what we can do. I mean, the whole driving over the corpses and the bodies of the branch civilians, that's pretty. Let's uh that's pretty bad, dude. Let's 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 take a minute and pay something here. Okay. <sighs> Alright guys, we're gonna shout out our girl here. We usually save her for last or second to last. Check out Nana's Aromas LLC. She's our favorite girl. She's our candle maker. Check her out on Facebook. Check her out at nanasaromas.com. She's located in beautiful Harrison County, Palmyra, Indiana. Uh, call her to schedule an appointment for her store. She does have a store, but uh, due to COVID, Nana takes COVID extremely seriously. Uh, every candle is custom made by her from start to finish, even the labeling. She does candles, air fresheners, uh, warmer melts, the works, and she does every batch in small quantities for better quality control. She sent us a free candle last year. I've been burning it more and more. Blueberry cheesecake. Cheesecake. Kurt wanted to eat the fucking candle. Yeah, yeah I did. I have to admit. <laughs> so, uh, Nana does ship all over the United States. She will ship. Go and and her online store has hundreds of candles in it. Uh, like I said, give her a message on Facebook. Give her a call at eight one two. 972-3670 that's 812-972-3670 tell her the boys over at Steel Toes and Scoreboard sent you yeah. and uh, she'll appreciate that she's been real good to us I don't think she checks out the podcast but it's just it's a small time podcast getting a little rub from a small business and Kurt right. and I are pro military pro small yep. business so <laughs> absolutely okay we love you Nana yes oh send it I heard, I heard it. What was that? Was that the drill? No, I was starting up the weed eater. That's <laughs> a, a weed eater. A weed eater. An eed weeder. Huh. I thought Bale was coming here. He did. Well, he's already here. Well, he came up and got real quick. It was at the spur of the moment type thing. They were cooking right then, you know, and then they realized they didn't have no eggs. They had to have the eggs. Didn't I replace him? I was his replacement when I started, wasn't I? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Because he was gone in like a month uh, or two layers when I started. Yeah. Right, well, so he took out somebody that's taking both of your spots, and he's better than both of you. So, <laughs> do what? <laughs> you can see it all. Got I like it more. All right, so, so. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, Red Paisley. Kobe. I like the fish, Brad Paisley. Another bite. I like my Oh, fish. looky there. I got a bite. That's right. She's a yellow bear. Oh, my God. Don't see him. So, I don't even know where the fuck we're going now. Well, we're just kind of tying up to the end. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me what I thought. I think it's a bunch of Government overreach. Shouldn't have happened. I mean, you can't tell me, like I said, that he couldn't have got it. When it got him. They already had him wounded for Christ's sake. I mean, holy crap! Oh yeah, I mean, he took a couple. He took. He got a belly full of lead on the day one, and then. But it's just. I told him we're coming to get you. This is where we're at, Croon. Okay. All right. Croon. Give me some dap. So this is where we're at. 
So here's here's what I believe. So you've got this guy, Schwindler. What did I, did I say earlier? Schwindler? Schwind- Schwindler. 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 He uh, he sweet talked his way into control. And good panties. Took and maybe into the panties of some 60, 70 year old widow. Who knows? I wouldn't put it past him if he's taking girls as young as twelve. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he he took his talked his way into taking control from a guy who probably wouldn't have got them involved in this big siege right. and standoff. Right. From a guy whose rightful heir to control this organization, as his family had controlled it since the original founder passed away. Right. These are a bunch of religious nuts, and he sweet talks his way. I don't know what he's prepping for. They get a hold of all this. All these weapons, all these yeah, rounds, all these bomb-making things. Yeah, you got to wonder there. So, and then this this siege goes on, this standoff, and here you've got the United States government, whose backs up against the wall because we're nine, we're eight, nine months removed from Ruby Ridge. That's still fresh in everybody's mind. Right. So you have to be delicate with this, but then you've got internal warring and beefing going on between the task force. Well, half the party's right, like, we right. got to do this delicately by the books. The other half's, fuck this, we're going in right, to get him. Right. And I think the pressure got too much. And yeah. I think, literally, what this was, was this was the United States government. We're having, you know, <coughs> they're being made an ass out of. Yeah. And they weren't going to take it anymore. They were being embarrassed on national television. They were tired of it. People were probably... Some people might have even been laughing at the U.S. government. And they weren't going to have it anymore. And come hell or high water, however many casualties we get, we get casualties. I don't think anybody thought that the children were going to stay inside. I don't know if children wanted to leave or not. I imagine no child, no young child, even a teenage child, should be faced with somebody making the decision they're going to die. Right. Uh, and to think, as we found out, that some of the child children were executed, and I pray to God these executions were just mercy killings. Right. So they did not die from smoke inhalation, so they did not burn to death. I right. pray that the executed children were executed just as a mercy kill. Right. This is the government trying to think in their saving face from people mocking them, and they did not realize the amount of fucking public backlash they were going right, to get, right. which I think they should have been well aware because like of Ruby how people Ruby, were... Right. Ruby, I mean... Yeah, two wrongs. Well... Go ahead, say yeah, it. it. Finish it, it, saying it. it. it right, yeah. <coughs> so... Two wrongs definitely didn't make it right there. But then, well, lo and behold, it's a... 95 then was the product of these two events. I, uh, that, they're they're linked. Yes, I agree. And that's what makes this more fucked up because I... And in Timothy McVeigh's mind, he's thinking... Huh. Okay, do you remember Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. His brother Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah. Donnie was part of the New Kids on the Block. Right. Mark did the movie Shooter. Right. One of my favorite all-time movies. It's a yeah. well-written story. I haven't seen it. Okay. He swore he took an oath to defend the country against all terrorists, both foreign and domestic. The government that trained him to kill then was going around killing innocent people, tried to kill him, frame him for murder. Like he stood up against the government. Like literally, McVeigh was a trained killer by the United States military. And then he starts getting some hardcore radical 
I don't want to say neo-Nazi, but I guess it is. Some neo-Nazi beliefs, some white power beliefs, some fuck the government beliefs. Just, you know, separatist beliefs. I want to be left alone, leave me the fuck alone. Then he sees what happens at Ruby Ridge. He's pissed. Right. Eight, nine months go by. Now it's happening at Waco. Right, right. So he takes his ass down to Waco. Right. After the Waco trials start... He's outside the courthouse selling anti-government, fuck the government, right. don't trust the government bumper stickers right. on the courthouse grounds. And it, that didn't send He's out doing a red this. flag. And then he, he disappears off the radar for two years. Yeah, that should have been a red flag right there. I mean. And then him and Terry Nichols get involved with this whole bombing. Like I'm looking forward to 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 the part three of this series whenever we do it this year, just on a whim. I should have stretched them out more months apart, but. Kurt and I wanted something fun to do for once. It wasn't sports. It's been a long time since we've done something not sports. Right. So we, we threw this out here. Uh, I don't even have a word association for this, but I could make a couple up on the fly. So I'll make a couple up on the fly. Right. And you just, I'm going to put you in a hot seat, son. Okay. David Koresh. Wacko. I mean, Waco. Waco. <laughs> wacko. That's, wait, wait. <laughs> Let's do it again. David Koresh. Uh, Waco. I'm Wacko. Waco. That actually gets a laugh and an applause. Okay. Floppy disc. <laughs> Freaking hilarious. <laughs> the uh, names, the names and pronunciations in tonight's episode. Odd. Funny. Funny. Odd. Funny. Yeah. Uh. The fire started by. I'd say the law. Yeah, 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 okay, okay. Something don't seem right there. What? You set yourself on fire. Why would you set yourself on fire? Exactly. The amount of weaponry and ammunition and everything associated that the Branch Davidian compound held. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. What were these guys planning? The tactics used by the task force. Tacky. Tacky. Very tacky. Driving military vehicles over graves of the Branch Davidians. Come on, folks. That's the one that gets me. me, me I should not laugh about this, but I I, like it's it's disrespectful. I can't say enough. I should not laugh about this, but I am. Like that's some hardcore shit. Who ordered that? You know, (laughs) boy. And, and this goes without saying. I should have said this at the top of the episode, which I, I say it every episode. I didn't tonight, so I want to apologize because I don't want to get hate mail saying that we fucked something up. But to the best of our knowledge, every bit of information that we presented tonight was factual. Right. But people do make mistakes. If I miss, if I misquoted something, if something was wrong, then I apologize. Don't but, be afraid to let us know. Yeah. In a peaceful, nice way. Peaceful manner, yeah. I mean, don't go kicking down our door and putting tear gas in it and everything. Right. Uh, so, all right. Um, now, interesting, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, this is where we're this is where we're at now. So today it's after midnight now. It is now Sunday, June twenty sixth. So this is where we're at. So this coming weekend is Fourth uh, of July weekend. Right. I do not have the kids, right. but I will be out of town. Okay. So usually we record on non-kid weekends. Right. Okay. 
So I will be out of town. I will be on vacation in uh, Prattville, Alabama. I'll be day drinking for three or four days on the lake. A bunch of us. The boys are getting together finally. We're all. So that would put us into July. Well, when I get back from Alabama, the weekend of July 9th and 10th, that is a kid weekend. Okay. So I will not see you. So we will not record again until the weekend of July 16th and 17th. Which okay. gives us plenty Any of time, time to, to me put together a full length episode. Now, I would like to we are we are gonna be on pace for our worst statistical month ever. Our worst statistical month was November. We had thirty seven downloads in November. We are not even we will you know, not even reach that. Uh June has been a busy month. Right. So statistically wise, content wise, you know, we had a you know, we've had a couple episodes come up. Like, I think I did a bonus episode. We've done one nightly episode or what, whatever the case. I don't remember how many we've done. Right. June's not going to be a real heavy download right. month. Right. So, we just, we've been so busy, you and I both. Yeah. So, the month of June's got away from us. Right. That's fine. Fuck it. Whatever. Um. So, that gives me three weeks, essentially, to put together a great episode. Um. Which we are going to pick here in just a minute. Now, we will still try to. Uh, Kurt's an old man. He's tired. It's summertime. He's fat. It, he's fat and he gets hot. So some nights he wants to come in and just sit naked in his chair with the fan blowing on <laughs> Kurt needs recuperation time. Yes. So we will do some mini episodes, God willing. But, and I know we've still got a big announcement yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before the big announcement, we got to start thinking about uh, what episode we're going to do next. What we're going to spin off next. What okay. we're going to spin off next. Uh, any ideas, suggestions, particular topics, sports, or anything? Just just a sport, and I pick the topic of the sport. Shout out to the Warriors. Shout out to the Warriors. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, I yeah. mean, they won the. We're still scoreboards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, what 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 are you in the mood to talk about? I mean, this list. I'm always, seen you know what I'm always in the mood to talk about. Uh, that's baseball, son. Yeah, absolutely. It is baseball season. Yes, and I just seen a thing on uh, YouTube where the asses are not in the seats. Asses are not in the seats. Huh. That is a phrase trademarked by Steel Toes yes. Scoreboards. Asses in, in the, the seats. seats boost ratings. Yes. Okay. And it's not happening, huh? Why, Kurt? Well, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of factors that go into this. I mean, baseball's ratings are the worst of the worst. big four. I yep. mean, why are they tanking? I don't know. I don't know. You know, we've done World Series episodes. They're scuffing all the baseball shit. Just so after we talked about yeah. that on our episode the other night, did you look about yes. that? Yes. What the? So, and they're literally sending out detailed charts to hang yeah. in the dugouts to uh, show them how to do it. Wasted time. I mean, a guy throw a brand new baseball out there. If a guy, he he's they're allowed to rub it up, whatever, you know. What's the matter with that? What what are they saying? That, it's that, stupid. What it's what it is. Happening? Stupid. I don't know. That scuff balls present less of an advantage for who? <laughs> I don't know. It's dumb. It is dumb. Don't give a shit about that. No, they don't. Play ball. Play ball. Who wants a brand new scuff souvenir baseball? 
by the way. The guy hits a foul, I fouls it off. Oh, it's a scuff baseball thing, guys. <laughs> you want to do some it top? It looks you, like a piece of shit, you know? You want, you want to do a top ten? No. No. Fuck no. We are, we are done with top tens for the for a, a several months because I am so glad that point guard thing's behind it. But if it wouldn't be for the horrible point guard trilogy episode, we would have never started getting our weeknight chronicle episodes. All right. Which is... I kind of like it. Yeah, just many cool. episodes getting more yeah. content out there. So I guess that's one good thing to come of it. Yeah. But I have officially promised that I was done with top ten lists yeah. for a few months. Yeah. 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 That pissed me off. That just... Some things look better on paper. Yeah. Nor Nixon! <laughs> he, no, didn't, he didn't say that. But uh, shout out Doyle, Norm uh, Nixon. Norm Nixon. Uh, so let's uh let's start picking some episodes. I'm always in the mood to talk baseball. Uh, I know that. Uh, Have we we've done World Series episodes? Yeah. Have we ever covered just a Super Bowl episode? I don't think so. I don't think we have. No. If you look at our catalog, now we have it, Reginald. 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 You know, on the way over here, I was just thinking. I was literally just thinking. I was in between Hayesville and here, and I'm like, what are we going to talk about? And my mind immediately went to, I don't think we've ever done just a Super Bowl no, episode. I, you're right. I think we ought to. So I was thinking about Super Bowls that were sticking out to me for memory reasons. And one Super Bowl in particular stuck out to me, which would have been, if I'm not mistaken, and I need Kurt's big brain here. Oh, boy. Super Bowl 20 should have been in the midst of Buffalo and the K-Gun offenses four straight Super Bowl appearances. Yeah. That should have been the one where the Bills lost to the Giants right. by one. I think that might have been the wide right game. Yep, it was. Uh, I don't know why that's sticking out to me. Uh, well, you had LT. Holy crap. Well, I mean, you know I love me some LT. And, uh, wow. <laughs> uh, that defense there was solid. Right. Very solid. Uh, I thought about the Ravens 49ers Super Bowl because the power outage and because, you uh, know, it was Kaepernick, yeah. and I just think it's funny to humiliate uh, Kaepernick. Then what about Brady's comeback against the Falcons, the Dirty Birds? Fuck Tom Brady. I, I say fuck Tom Brady too, but yeah. Um. Yeah, he's wicked. Tom Brady's wicked smart. Yes, wicked smart. That's right. <laughs> yeah, That's you got that. You got that right. Uh. There's all kinds of different. Epic I mean, I could even just pick a random. Super Bowl number and just be like, we're gonna do this one, and, and I Google it and realize, oh fuck, this one sucks. Suck. Yeah, yeah, don't do anything. You know, we just randomly pick no. a number. No, <laughs> don't, don't, don't do just randomly yeah, pick one. Yeah, don't do that. Okay, there's been some great Super Bowls. There has been. Yeah, there's well, been some stinkers too. Yeah, some stinkers. We need before we set stone, which one we're gonna do? We need to look into this a little further. So how about we do this? We've, we've never done this before. So because there's going to be three weeks of lead time. Right. Until we do another full-length episode. <clears throat> right. Granted, one night next week, I leave for I leave for Alabama we Friday morning. We'll, 
one night yeah. next week we'll try to get a mini yeah. in there yeah. uh, but how about we just say this how about for the first time in Steel Toes and Scoreboards history we are going to cover a Super, Super Bowl. Bowl okay we got the 85 Bears no 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 Nope. We're just we're gonna cover a Super Bowl. Okay. And they're just gonna have to wait to see which one we cover. Okay, yeah. Force them to tune in. Yes, there you go. Now of course, you being my partner, right. I'll give you the pass and let you know which one it's gonna be. Okay. But I have to, you know, I right. gotta think about it. Right, right. I'm I'm literally thinking about just picking random numbers oh, and then sending you the numbers. Okay. Making you Google, Google what okay. Super Bowl that number I'll was be like, and then no, be like, bro. Nope, not that one. Matter of fact, I think I'm gonna do that. Okay. I think I'm literally just gonna all within the, you know, the next few weeks till Randomly. we decide. I'm just gonna say Super Bowl this number. Okay. And I'm not even gonna Google it. Okay. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna have you Google it, and then you can just reply back thumbs up, or middle finger, right. thumbs down, until whatever. Get a list of what five. No, no, up? till you just till you just be like that's the one. The one. Okay. Because you'll all pick right. it. All right. I'll just pick a random number okay. and you'll go yes or no. That's the one. Okay. So we'll do. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have this whole list here of, of you know, Ideas. over a hundred episodes. Ideas, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll do that. I think that's fun. So that will be, God willing, we'll record that the weekend of July sixteenth and seventeenth. Let me let me let me check the dates here again. Now, kids weekend. This weekend was my weekend, but I do not have them because they took the kids on vacation. So I didn't have them last night. First Friday night, I hadn't had them in a while. Uh, this weekend, holiday weekend, Fourth of July weekend, I'll be gone. But it's her weekend. So the next weekend, the ninth and tenth is mine. Yeah. So July sixteenth and seventeenth. So okay, that's what we'll do, guys. We're gonna do a Super Bowl episode for you. Our first Super Bowl episode. Da, 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 da. And uh, Kurt's gonna pick it. I'm just gonna pick a random number and. Da, 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 All right. Da, da. Well, I think that's it. Yeah. Got anything else? No. We don't have anything else. I don't have anything else. So just go ahead and stop recording. Yeah. I see. I see oh, it right oh. Oh. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. What is what what? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Huh? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Huh? So we got some big news, right? Yes. yes. Where's uh? Where's Where's Dole and? And Kyle, so they should sit down. So we we got big news. I can't sit down. I can't sit down. I'm saying look. So what it, what is the big news in the Steel Toes and Scoreboards universe? Well, I have finally made contact with After Two Beers podcast. Yeah. Okay. Who has received critical acclaim? They've had a multitude of celebrity guests on their episodes. After two beers. Oh yeah, after two beers contest. They uh, they literally sit down, have two alcoholic beverages, and then press record, and whatever happens happens. And it works. Huh? So I've made some contact. We are going to sit down on the phone tomorrow. Me with Chris, one of the okay. co-hosts, and they are in Richmond, Indiana. Yeah. Which I think I've looked. It's going to take me and you about four hours to get there. Right. Three or four hours. Yeah. And if this goes according to plan. I'm going to bring my equipment along. We are going to, God willing, sit in with them on one of their podcasts, which is a video podcast. Oh, so no. you will finally be world visually oh, famous. Boy. Oh boy! Oh boy! Do a face scan and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to ask them about their equipment setup. If, because from what I've seen, their their setup looks a little different. If their mics are not USB and they are XLR cables, yeah. 
then I can plug them into the two ports here on the pod track recorder. Okay. If they are not XLR, I will buy an additional two sets of mics and two headphones. That way, when we get back, then we've got room at the table for Doyle and Kyle to start setting in on episodes if they wish right, to. Right. But I'm going to talk to Chris tomorrow. I'm going to have a nice phone call. See when we can set up a date. I'm going to set it up for a weekend without kids. And I'm going to have to come pick your ass up early in the morning because okay. we're going to have a three or four hour drive. I'll oh. feed you on the way. Yeah, I'll feed right. you on the way back. All right. So, but uh, this, I've been building this for a while, hoping to, which by the way, guys, I told him I was going to shout him out in the podcast tonight. I'm going to tag him on social media. If you like good podcasts, it's just about anything. Go out of your way to check out After Two Beers podcast. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, they are they are a great 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 group of people it is a uh it is a hang on i lost my train of thought here uh let me see uh chris is the guy kim is the uh his co-host it's a man and a woman yeah. and literally like i said the, the whole premise of their podcast is they sit down they have a couple beers a couple of alcoholic drinks which obviously i know you don't drink much anymore you don't have to you could uh you could just dump a whole bunch of sugar in a mountain dew and shoot it or something yeah <laughs> but uh literally I, I whatever when they press record whatever we right. talk about we'll talk about with them and i don't know what i would do for I don't know what I would do for our episode. I would talk to them, see what they want to talk about, or it just might be the same thing. But this rub that we would get from these guys would exponentially grow the podcast. Right. It would really help us. Uh, after I first started talking about them and first started mentioning them on social media back in January and February, that was when we went through one day and had just a shit ton of downloads. So I'm thinking literally, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I believe they're involved some way. Right. But this would only help give us the rub to take us up there to where we can start hitting, God, I hope, like hundreds of downloads a month. Right. Because they have a huge following. Uh, the, the um, I, it's not appropriate to say midget. What's the appropriate? Little person, I guess. Uh, the little person comedian, Brad Williams, he's been on their uh, podcasts, several comedians, famous people, famous, right. well, wealthy people. So um. I believe, I believe this would be huge for us. It would be a big deal. So I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna call them tomorrow and uh, talk to them and see. Uh, and if all goes well, I mean you're gonna travel. All right. Okay. Rich I mean because. If you remember, when I first made contact with these guys, just a little love affair on Twitter back in January, you were the ones like, hell yeah, and you kept pushing me, like, contact right, right. me, because all you could well, yeah. see was downloads. Right. You're going to have to get over your fear. you got the perfect face for radio, so yeah, you'll be fine. Right, yeah. They do video a lot of their shit. Oh, boy. Well, well I mean, we might have to clean you up, Ron Jeremy. It's against my religion to be videoed. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, I mean, I could ask him to leave the mic. You know, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But uh, that's the big news. All right. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we'll go rub some elbow glue. I mean, that would help us. I might even drink a beer. You might drink a beer. Yeah. I mean, the very first episode with me, you drank a beer. 
Yeah. Look where we're at. A year ago today, we were sitting in my basement doing our most downloaded episode yet, which was episode six, five or six. Yeah. Episode six, I think. The I-85 World yeah. Series. Good, good. Or I-40, whatever the fuck it yeah, was. I don't good. remember. I liked it. That was fine. <coughs> I-70. I-70. There sure. it goes. God, it took me a while. Yeah, you finally got the right yeah. interstate. <laughs> That's uh, Don Dinkinger. Don Dinkinger. Oh, gosh. He was clearly out. He was clearly out. I mean, yeah. I hate I hate that, but yeah, he was clearly out. Yeah, Dinkinger blew the call. Yes. And but anyways, we're a year later. Yep. Here we are. Yep. You know how many episodes we have out there now? Thirty. Uh, on, on paper. On paper. Yeah. This will be episode number thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, whatever. Wow. On paper. We're chiseled, chiseled veterans now, ain't we? But all together, yeah. bonus episodes that don't count, uh, bonus episodes that don't count, me by myself just rambling, all together, the podcast itself has produced like 50-something episodes, 55 maybe right. or something, but together in the trenches, me and you, 34, 34 35, right. 36, whatever <clears throat> number it is, so... Yeah, All right. Good to be veterans. We are. And think about this. You quit on me after episode one. Well, I didn't think it was going to end me. No. And look at it now. How often do you push me? Oh, yeah. Yo. What was that? That was my my ear. Oh, my yeah. mic. See? My headphones. Wow. <laughs> okay. Everybody awake out there? All right. So, any closing remarks? I'm good. Peace, okay. love, and Nugent. Peace, love, and Nugent. Yes. He's loving you. I'm gonna play some Nugent. I'm gonna sit right here and mix this episode. Right. All right. So, yeah. uh, go cool. ahead. Uh, crash. Crash. <laughs> Fucking nut job, man. Yeah, absolutely. He got a. Okay. Is it wrong to say that? Okay. This was government overreach. Yeah. Innocent people died, but yeah. is anybody really that upset that David Koresh died? Because I'm not. Oh, me neither. <laughs> not when he's fucking impregnating. Yeah. Right. Multiple girls under the age of fifteen. Yeah, yeah. sicko. Like, yeah, this was government He's overreach. Not the next messiah. No, he wasn't. He was a douchebag. Douchebag. Yeah. Can we say douchebag? Oh, we can say douchebag. Douche, it's my show. Douchebag. Koresh was a douchebag. Yes. Times ten. Huge times ten. Yeah. Infinity douchebag. That's right. I can yeah. say douchebag. It's my show. Yeah. That's and what, yeah. We don't have enough track. We don't have enough following to lose listeners yet, so I can still <laughs> say douchebag. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, everybody, for croon over here, I mean, dirty, <laughs> curdy. Floppy disk. Will you <laughs> tell everybody why I started calling you croon? Uh, that's just a uh, jailhouse tattoo I have. Let me see your arm. So, Kurt always wears uniform shirts at work, which I don't work here anymore. And I see a tattoo on his arm I've never seen before, and it literally says "croon." To which, me, and this is not safe for work, ladies. I literally said, "Why does it look like the word cream pie is on your arm?" <laughs> Did I not yes. say that? Yes. Because the ink is so that ink is probably 20, it, 30 years yeah, old. Yeah, it's thirty years old. Twenty years old. Croon. Croon. And I thought it said cream pie. Kurt Crooney. Oh God. <laughs> We have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. You miss working with me? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just get bored in my office during the day. Well, yeah. Sure. I mean, I did get to go to Florida two weeks ago. Yeah. Got to see the ocean. It's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. It's a lot of water. We went an hour outside of Tallahassee 
it was it's the it was the Gulf, but that's still the ocean to me. And we literally went to this St. Mark's National Wildlife Refuge in the last four miles of road uh, in this refuge was getting swampier and marshier, and I guarantee you, alligator. There was gators in that gators. Thing. You would have been a piece of chicken. Oh man, I'd have been a snack for them boys. Yeah. Holy but crap. we eventually we got to the lighthouse and it was beautiful and uh we stayed about an hour and I just I was mesmerized. I couldn't it just you looked out well, and it just water. it kept going. Yeah. We literally ran out of road. Yeah. It was there it, and it just Did you get to go out on the ocean any? No, no. See where we were at the lighthouse there was no beach. That's it was all experience. rocks right into That's the water. An experience too. I've been on a couple fishing trips, deep sea fishing. And when the land disappears and you're on the water, it's like you get a little scared? Well, I mean, you know, it's a little different, man. I mean, Jaws took a boat down. Yeah, I know. Jaws took a boat down. <laughs> All right, we got, we're going to start wrapping this up. So, for uh, my fisherman co-host here, Cream Pie Kelly. <laughs> You're fucking sick of it. God, we've offended so many people tonight. Maybe we ought to just start offending everybody every episode. No. He's like, no. no. All right. No. So for Kurt Kelly, I'm Jared Atkins. Yep. We, this has been an awesome episode. It was good to finally get here. We're headed statistically for our worst download month in but the we're still remaining. 13, 14-month history of the podcast. We're but uh, I feel better that this was one of the better episodes we've ever done. It was nice to do something from the... Uh, steel toe side of things right. instead of the scoreboards and uh you know like i said we'll we'll try to put out a couple of right. uh weeknight episodes in the following weeks and uh see us again in uh a few weeks three four yep. weeks for peace uh out. the super bowl to be named episode. yes that'll be fun all right peace out peace out everybody